Wow. John Sukup really laid down the knowledge. We powered through a bunch of viewer live questions from the live stream on the YouTube. This replay is well worth a listen. If you have any interest in Active Target, Mega360 Live, Sonar, any of that kind of stuff, electronics in general, battery power, control motor, all that stuff, this is well worth the listen. We cover so much ground in such amount of time. Uh, I hope you guys get a ton of value out of this as much as I did. Enjoyed the episode. And like, if you guys are enjoying these podcasts, if you can leave a review, a thumbs up, or anything that would really help out the podcast, it's much appreciated. But let's get into the episode and let you guys help catch more fish and suck less. This week, the Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom-made performance apparel and tackle. Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom-designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. As part of their support, you can use code HELLABASS15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. All right, here we are. Hellabass Live on a Thursday night special edition. Due to youth <laughs> daughters hockey games in the district playoffs on Wednesday night, we moved it to Thursday night. And luckily, John's schedule uh, aligned and we were able to make this thing happen. And a show I've been looking forward to, kind of excited for a while. Um, we got John Sookup, the hookup Sookup from uh, the Bass Tank. Uh, what's going on, John? I, you, you got my attention at youth girls hockey. I just want to know if they throw down the fights in the youth girls hockey, if they're allowed to That's do a slap pump. fest or no. <laughs> Fighting isn't really allowed till you get to like, uh, like the, the minors and the pros, right? Like really? they don't really allow fighting in college or high school or even anything yeah, like that. They, they, uh, yeah, that doesn't propagate its way down in the youth. <laughs> Girls aren't even really, they're kind of allowed to check a little bit, but like the, if you like really like line somebody up in the, like, yesterday a couple of our girls you know they like to play a little more on the aggressive side but they got yeah. called for some 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 checking penalties last night so but uh my daughter she she wears the goalie pads and just lets people shoot pucks at her for fun so she's <laughs> yeah what's uh there you go rusty says the best customer service ever the bass tank so no, that's cool just checking in there was the audio and the video good for everybody i think it is it sounds good to me so um what's up sycamore got your package today we might take a look at that later um lots of people tom mix lots of regulars coming in piling in here awesome well cool we're just gonna i've got a few things to ask john about tonight we'll tell a few stories but we'll definitely you know as we get into it try to answer people's questions but uh um, obviously, you know, there's, we'll answer what we can and John will answer what he can, but some of the stuff is really specific and you need to actually like troubleshoot it. But we'll, we'll, you know, we'll try to keep out of the, out of the weeds of like, Oh, I'm getting interference. I'm like, that's not the kind of stuff, but we can talk about the pros and cons of hummingbird versus active target and when 360 versus live. And what do we think of the new LVS 34 plus transducer, all that kind of stuff would be fair game for sure. Um, Yeah. Get ready to mop up some juice. Taylor's excited. That's right. Happy St. Patty's Day, everybody. Yeah. I can see you're wearing about as much green as I am today. Um, <laughs> but I did turn the green LEDs on behind me, so there we go. Um, so we'll, we'll come back to this. We don't want to get right into it. We'll, we'll I'll star this one. We'll come back to this one, Rusty. <laughs> um, 
Shocked at the day one results. I think he's probably asking about Sante Cooper. I don't know. Did you look at the oh, yeah. I'm not shocked, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, not so, I mean, I think, you know, a low 30 was about 32 pounds that uh, um, Drew Cook, right, uh, yeah. came in with. That doesn't surprise me. And I forgot to look at what the cut weight was, but I feel like a 17-pound bag was a pretty pedestrian uh, I, bag I today. I think the 50th, 50th place was like 1510 yeah, or something 15 like that. 15 and a half is uh, – yeah. Josh Douglas is first guy out. Mark Frazier's first guy in. Um, so that's about what I thought. I mean, I, I, if anything, if the weather would have been maybe a little better, it might have been a little more high-end weights. Like, they're definitely not on the pace they were that uh, when when Preston Clark won, right? Like, I don't think we're going to see six century belts because there's six guys on pace, technically, but I don't think they're all going to keep that pace. So, But it's still a good tournament. I mean, I, I think there's a good shot. You got – one guy at 31, almost 32, another guy at just a few ounces shy of 30. So pretty good chance somebody gets a century belt this week. I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw it, I'm gonna say it's gonna happen. Nice. It's yeah. been a while, right? Yeah, it has been. I guess well uh Lee Livesey. Lee Livesey. Lee Livesey and then Walters. Patrick Walters. And then I think Brandon Cobb. So it's been a while since we haven't had one on Lake Fork. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Everybody that I know that lives down that area, and I mean, the guys in the MPFL, they, they're begging the ownership group, go to Santa Cooper, go to Santa Cooper, go to Santa Cooper. And I mean, it's, I mean, I've heard everybody that's around there say it's got to be one of the number one lakes in the nation right now. So yeah, that's what I hear. That's, a, that's always been a bucket lake list for me, like a place that I'd like to, I don't know. Right. I feel like it'd be fun to fish, cool fishery, really unique fishery. There's a lot of things on it that, uh, and the chance for like really big bass. Um, I'll I'll check all the buckets for me as far as like a destination lake. Yeah, and it looks fishy. Like you know, it just reminds you of an old Bassmaster magazine, right? Like everything, right. everywhere you look, there's a fish, a target to hit or something. So it kind of looks like the Watchtower River, but there's actually giants in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, i guess i want to before we forget i always like to take care of a little business here i want to make sure we thank arsenal fishing for supporting the channel and the stream as always you guys can check out all their apparel tools and things like that um, at arsenalfishing.com and use the codes down at the bottom of the screen uh more about that later but just want to make sure we get that in there Uh, oh sycamore you zeroed off the dock today that's a bar but you got out that's important So let's let's just throw it back while we're we're getting people rolling in here. I guess uh, art history kind of goes back a ways. Like we were just talking about that early. Yeah. Uh, we met, I believe it was 2014. Uh, we were boat, but or I don't know, I don't know, partners, neighbors in the boatyard, <laughs> yeah. uh, however you want to say it. I was gonna say boat yeah. buddy. That sounds a little weird. Yeah, we were um, boat buddies. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we parked right next to each other. Uh, you, you kind of just get randomly thrown in the boatyard by your number, and I don't—I don't remember who was on the other side of me, for the life of me. Uh, I think Paul Mueller was like a few boats down, but I remember you, uh, and you know, obviously we got to basically—you'll know, see every, you, each other every morning and afternoon coming in for I don't know five, six days in a row. So we got you know, talking, learned, met each other. Um, so that—that's where it started. I don't know. What do you remember about you know running into that Yankee next to you and that Triton back then? <laughs> I remember after every day of practice and every day of tournament, there being less and less boats in the boatyard. I think there was like 15 lower units ripped off or something that I don't think I'm exaggerating either. I really think 
out of 50 boats or how many ever we had, like there was a third of the field that, you know, and I thought that you also had some damage on your yeah. boat. I know both sides of me, both boats were missing at one point. <laughs> I, yeah. I want to say, yeah. I forget if we had, I think we only had two official days of practice. Yeah. Something like that. And the first day of practice, right at the end, I ran I ran all the way up the spillway. I had been mapping it out. I was there for pre-practice. Thought I had Darbone Bayo down pat. And I had a moment lapse of judgment, distracted, lost focus for like a fraction of a second. And the next thing I know, I was coming off playing on the top of some stumps and the S-curves and ripped a gash in my dad's Triton. It was probably four feet long right down to the fiberglass i mean you could see it like it was like exposed that kind of brown yellowish fiberglass like and it was no joke it was massive yeah i i i think the most memorable part of that whole event was the third day we had a major major fog I, I, there wasn't a delay we took off in the fog but it got worse and worse progressively and when I cut into Bar- Darbone Bayou, you know, there's like a 15-minute idle or 10-minute yeah. idle. And, you know, it was so thick, I was scared to death to go any further. I was shaking just being there. And so I just pulled in and fished. And then after about an hour, the sun came up. And all of a sudden, you start looking around. There's like 20 boats in there that all had the same thought. Like, we didn't even know we were fishing next to each other. The thought, The fog was so thick. But what was more memorable about that whole thing is when it was all said and done, I went back and looked at some of the pictures. And from that morning, there was pictures of uh, Grant Cardone. Not Grant Cardone. Who am I trying to say? Cardone. Um, Colby? Cardone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was up. Sorry, Grant Cardone. It's Cardone, right? That was his last name? Colby. Uh, Something like that. Carden. Colby Carden. Yeah. Carden. Okay, sorry. And he was all the way up at the dam. Yep. Fish in the spillway. He had ran that whole thing off a of GPS through that fog. And honestly, man, that it's I, I've been back at half a dozen times for crappie tournaments and I've been all through that. There's just no way I would ever do that. That was that was crazy, crazy. And then it didn't even pay off. I think, you know, he didn't even end up winning, right? I think he yeah, I don't I don't think he won, but I don't think he I think he did hold on to make the classic though. Right. I think he was actually down there this year and he was leading after two days. Um, and so him and I were, he beat, he was the only guy that beat me to the spillway on day one. <laughs> that place is just something, you know, it's a honestly a super cool tournament venue. There is, it's very dynamic. If it had a little bit bigger and higher quantity of bass, it would be an amazing tournament fishery, but just the, the changes and the ebbs and flows and uh, where they'll bite one day and not the other. And, you know, the not easy to get in out. It's a pretty cool tournament fishery. It really challenges the anglers, which is cool. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so I was one of the boats that was missing because on the second day of practice, I rode with a youth director from Ohio that took me out in his Ranger, which I was afraid to go anywhere in his boat and like messed it up. So we kind of really kind of played it easy. And then, uh, but yeah, my dad's boat was getting patched. And then it came back <laughs> just in time for the tournament day. And I just like had to trust that they put a good patch on it, I guess. But, uh, yeah. Those national championships, man, they, uh, they definitely, that the Bass Nation from, from the state level, the regional level to the national championships, the couple that I've, that I had fished in the past, they, they definitely were stepping stones to get, you know, where I'm at now, not only myself, but 
I mean, a lot of guys, you know, every time yeah. I've ever I've been, there's a half, half a dozen guys that end up, you know, making it pretty, pretty far, you know, big, yes. bigger names, you know, yeah. like you said, <clears> Paul <throat> Mueller was in that one. Yeah. Paul Mueller made it in that one. Uh, and then I ran into you at the mega regional with Panger at Gunnersville. Uh, so that, that was cool. Um, so yeah, there's, I mean, you know, Albert Collins, um, you know, there's, yeah. I'm sure I'm, we're missing out like a bunch, but just think of the ones that were like fish tournaments that I've fished. Um, so yeah. Dax says he's uh, thinking about get, about ready to get live scope. He's been looking at the bass tank. So what's what's the what's the best reason to purchase your live scope from the bass tank? I mean, the, the best reason is if you've watched any tournament lately, you're going to see a bass tank boat leading the tournament and. What people don't know is you actually have to buy from the bass tank to actually catch fish that way. So that's the number <laughs> one. Uh, the proof's in the pudding. Just check out any tournament. You'll no, I'm just kidding. So it, man, it's our knowledge. It's it's our tech. Their tech support. Like hey, you're going to call and you're not going to get somebody that's a sales rep that that's just there to clock in and clock out. You're talking to real fishermen that compete on a high level with it. That are actually intellectual and can explain to you exactly what you're looking at. If you have any questions, whether it's install wise or whether it's how to use it, you can call us back and we'll help you out. Um, if you install with us, then, you know, my partner's an engineer. So we've got the best, you know, mechanic shop tech technician and backed by an engineer that there is in the nation. We've built the company around forward shooting sonar. So um, there is no other company out there that has that same niche as us. So that's, those are the number one reasons. If you're buying from out of state, we, you know, it's free shipping, no tax, unless there's a tax law in your state that says we have to charge for that. And then it's also, uh, you know, we have actually have uh, financing available. And beyond that, all that stuff, if, even if all prices are equal, at the moment, if you want to buy a bundle, there is no better price to buy a bundle. If you want like a nine or 10 inch, uh, 12 inch unit, there is no better price to get a bundle than what the Bass Tank has at this time. There you go. Awesome. There's the sales pitch. There you go. Daniel and SmackDown, I see the member chats, but for some reason those like monthly member chats, I can't see in StreamYard, so I can't put them up on the screen, but I do appreciate them. And I do appreciate you guys using your, your special chats there. The guys on watching on YouTube can see them. Um, yeah, so located, uh, it's Oklahoma, right? Where in Oklahoma? Sepulpa, which is Tulsa. Tulsa. Suburb of Tulsa. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you guys travel to install, but you have a lot of people that travel to you to install, right? Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, let's see here. So I don't want to forget to mention that uh, John has recently dipped his toes into the YouTube game because he's glutton for punishment and likes you know makes his life even more difficult than it already is. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It should be down in the description. Uh, is the hookup with Sookup, uh, right? And uh, what yep. what made you decide to uh, to jump in the YouTube game, John? Or add it uh, on to any of your other many layers? Right? <laughs> like, yeah. So the growth in in you know my personal fishing career uh, has got to the point where I feel like I've I've got a lot of sponsors that are taking really good care of me, and I want to do the same in return and take care of them. And I get asked a whole lot of questions a lot of times. I used to be able to take a lot of people out. Um, we used to do like free training for customers and stuff. We can't, we don't have the bandwidth to do that anymore. Um, so now we do training, you know. So it, it's another way of exposing kind of the things that we're doing and, and be able to talk about 
you know, like for instance, we're going to have an, a live scope plus video any minute, like probably Sunday night or something dropping just so we can put some content out there that nobody else can, um, at this time, you know what I mean? So, um, that's the main reason is, is to take care of, you know, take care of the sponsors though. Right. And, so and, what, and like I said, and to answer all the questions, we get a lot, a lot of questions and, and like too many to, to respond to really there's too many. So once I get kind of a bunch of those questions come in, we'll, we'll give us an idea spark an idea to do a video on it. And, you know, how do you decide what you put on the bass tank YouTube channel versus your personal YouTube channel? Uh, or what, what's the difference or what would people like, if you're looking for this, go to the bass tank. If you're looking for this, go to hook up with suck up. Well, so the bat, the bass tank YouTube channel right now is probably a, more of an extension of our, of our social media at the moment. It is going to change to where we're, we're going to, we're working on content. So as we've shot content for my personal, we're also shooting and, and doing some things for the bass tank that hasn't actually dropped yet. So the bass tank content is going to shift a little bit more towards um, a lot more of like your settings and, and like how to utilize it to catch fish and things of that nature, you know, very descriptive on the electronic side. Mine, you know, we talk a little bit about the electronics as it, as it fits perfectly, but I just in general talk more about like the things that are going on in my life in the fishing world, answer standard fishing questions. I, I kind of dial it back away from just hardcore only electronics now you may see me using electronics to catch the fish but you know we're talking more about just more about the fish behavior and uh, i talk a lot more on my youtube about uh, because it's so heavily people you know think that just because you have or, or decent electronics that it means that's the only reason i'm catching fish and it's just not the truth at all like there's you have to understand how a fish thinks to be able to um, read your electronics you know, correctly to be able to make it repeatable and, and pattern the fish and, and catch them multiple days. And so I do a lot of that in my videos. We go to a lot of, before tournament season started, we were going to a lot of lakes and not even practicing. And like during the day, I would explain, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what my thought processes are, what the fish are doing, how the fish are responding, what I'm seeing on the water, you know, whether I'm catching them or not, how I'm adjusting. And then, you know, typically by the end of the day, we'd get into some fish. So you kind of walk through that whole process. I do the same thing on the tournament side um, of my tournament videos is I go really in depth throughout my practice and do even do the tournament the best I can um, to talk to, you know, the viewers and explain to them my, what my thoughts are and why I'm doing what I'm doing instead of just having repetitive fish catches, just me reeling in a fish all the time, which that happens too, but you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. we're trying to explain. So that's, that's kind of the main the main two differences so so bass tank in summary a little more technical gear focused and the your channel is a little more application and real world put to use type stuff yeah yeah yep you're gonna on the bass tank one you're gonna see our sales and you know advertisement stuff like that mine's gonna be more more laid back off of that cool yeah thanks for the reminder but tell everybody that's watching if you can whether you're on facebook or youtube you know bump the like or the thumbs up Helps get more people in here so more people can uh, get in on the juice that we'll be getting into as we uh, unfold tonight. Um, let's see here. This is a, let's see. Uh, so, yeah, Dennis, if your screen's, screen is blurry, <clears throat> it's probably because your phone or your device is watching it in a lower resolution. So, usually there's like a little gear if you tap on the screen and uh, you can set your resolution to like 720, which should clear up your picture, Dennis. Um, 
Let's see here. Uh, there's another one I wanted to answer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Adam points out that Randy will be the first one in line to watch the live scope video. Block it. Oh, he's my biggest fan. <laughs> yeah, Randy's all about taking the take. He's 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 mastered the art of like the all-consuming clickbait title. Like he's really got like he's figured out huh? how to get people to react and yeah. tune in just to see what he's gonna say next, right? So yeah. Uh, best lake in the Tulsa area that you can talk about, John. <laughs> that you're willing to uh, talk about. Yeah, probably, uh, probably Keystone. Keystone. Anybody that's not familiar with Keystone, it's it's not uh, it's not big enough to. I mean, they could have tournaments, but they don't have them on there. But it's, I mean, in the springtime, it's it's one of those. Everybody will have twenty pounds. Now it may only take twenty one to twenty three to win. You know, I've had a couple twenty three pound sacks. Anything bigger is really really big but it's just oklahoma is known for four pounders you know right we have a lot of four pounders they did have a bass nation was it a yeah i think it was like yeah i think it was like the worst one in history i think they just got the bass virus or something but that was that lake goes on a downswing back then it was tad packies from iowa that won it if i remember right on a spinner bait we talked about that when we had uh, tk on a couple weeks ago um all right, just a quick question. Any plans to look at another location for the bass tank? You know, we get uh, we probably get approached once a week about this, and uh, the biggest deal that we have right now is 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 maintaining our growth <clears throat> that we have at the moment. Maintaining our name and our brand and our reputation is extremely important, and my, my, myself, my partner, and actually everybody underneath us. Um, you know, this isn't my first business. Um, but this is by far my, my, my love, you know, my favorite of all the businesses that I own operate and manage, and I can make money doing my other businesses, but I'm not near as happy. And what I've noticed in the past in my construction, for instance, when I was doing tile setting, I wanted to be the best tile setter that I could be. And when I became the best tile setter that I knew, I really found out that not much of the world cares or, or really appreciates that. And, and it became a little bit of a bitterness through just always trying to, you know, uh, explain to people why, you know, why it was more expensive because I was doing it right, you know, and, and in the fishing world where we're at right now, um, we're doing the same thing. We're wanting to be the best at what we're doing and people are appreciating it. They're seeing it. I'm not having to explain it. And I, I just, I love it. I love having happy customers. I love, um, you know, not having to chase the dollar, you know, just being at peace at what I'm, what we're doing, mm-hmm. putting out a product there that we can stand behind a brand that everybody else wants to get behind and building a community. Uh, uh, and, and that can, that can, you know, long answer, but it could get ruined really quickly if we franchised out and, and somebody decided they were going to, you know, break away from that. So right. until I can firmly find that, that, Someone that's got that same bloodline, I can look in their eyes and trust them one hundred percent. That that will never, probably won't happen. Or if you can clone yourself. Yeah, I've I've actually been trying. I have a fourteen year old son. I have a two month old. So uh, we'll see. <laughs> or if somebody on your core team decides, you know what, I don't want to be in Tulsa. I want to live in Charlotte, yeah. North Carolina, and then you yeah. can trust them to open a branch, right? So. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely something that I can see foresee coming down the road, and I've had a lot of opportunities. I've got a couple guys that I would love to do it with actually 
Um, it's just a matter of probably the right timing. And like I said, when we do it, I'm going to be there and make sure it's done right. And absolutely. And right now we don't have the bandwidth to step away from making sure that what we've got now is still the best that we can be. Yeah. It's the right way to do it. Yeah. More important to just grow steady and slow and stick to the brand than try to just blow it up and have it all implode for sure. Yeah. Um, anything. So critical gravity says any new things for kayaks, is there anything you see out there like really specific to kayaks or do you see that it's, I mean, what I'm seeing is it's the same stuff on kayaks as it is on bass boats with slightly different mounting. I don't know. Do you see a big difference in what, as far as like. Uh, so we've only done a few kayaks and we've got a few pro staffers that are sponsored by kayak companies. And then we've done some stuff, you know, Drew Gregory is going to be coming out with a, uh, you know, kayak soon. And, and, you know, Johnny Schultz had got a couple kayaks thrown his way and we got to play with them. And what we found is everything, every kayak's like a custom. It's like its own deal because, um, and so there are a lot of cool things out there with kayaks. I would say everything that big boats have, it's coming to the kayak world and already is there. Um, but a lot of those guys are just trying to, they're kind of figuring out how to custom install that. And what I, what I mean by that is custom installs because uh, you could just have like one mounting bracket for every, you know, a couple kayaks and it's not going to work the same um, depending on that person, the way they sit or stand or, you know, just a bunch of different factors, how big they are, if they're small, like there's different places and locations. And because kayaks are so small, uh, that mounting process can is, is, is what's custom. Sure. So, But as far as like, it's just, you know, you don't see a ton of 16 inch screens on kayaks. You probably see more, you know, eight, nines and tens, and then you got more custom mounts. But as far as like, you're using the same transducers, it's just kind of more of a custom setup. Everything, everything on the deucer side is the same. I'm talking more about mounting and accessories of of that nature and how it's, and how it's, how the deucers are mounted as well uh, as the, as a head unit. So this is a question you hear. Live scope and panoptics, are they the same? Pan, live scope is a family of in the panoptics family. Uh, panoptics, uh, the like the PS21, 22, and there may have been one before that that I'm not remember the number of 15. I can't remember the number of it. Maybe it was just 20. I can't remember. But those were those were 40 sh- forward shooting sonars, and they were out 10 years ago. I mean, honestly. Yeah. When Christy um, won on St. Clair, right? Like a decade yeah. ago, he was actually using yeah. early panoptics. Yeah. And so live scope is a, a deviation of that. It's it's in that same. So it's actually, if you look it up in the Garmin, it'll say it's panoptics live scope. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a part of that same family. But the original panoptics was more like a blob technology. It looked more like a 2D return mm-hmm. than actually a living image of uh, or picture. Those are the main... The main differences, I would, I would say, real quickly to explain. They didn't need a black box, and it didn't, you know, all that stuff. Sure. Will says, "What's up?" He says, "Looks like he maybe met you at the classic, and the A rig holster is awesome." <clears throat> yeah, that's cool. That's a, that's a buddy of mine's. Uh, oh, sorry guys. <laughs> On a motion sensor. Over. We had to cancel I, it. The lights went out. <laughs> I try to. I got to get that fixed. Happens all the time, but <clears throat> so yeah, the A-Rig holster is a cool little deal that we, uh, a buddy of mine, Joe Holmes, invented it, and uh, he came and partnered with the Bass Tank, gave us the rights to to use it and license it, and uh, 
it's a it's a little clip on that that I mean it completely strength takes all the tangles away on your A rig. Like you could put I'll probably do it one day. I'll probably do a video and put like fifteen to twenty A rigs on on rods and just put it in my box and then go run across the the water when it's really bad and, and you'll see no tangles. Like it doesn't come off. So if you get frustrated with how you rig or have to hook your A-rigs to your rod and then take off from spot to spot, that A-rig hole screws. So it's just a little cool deal, man. And that's what the Bass Tank was originally started. Before we even got into electronics, we started it. And it was just a – the name was – the Bass Tank is a think tank for bass fishing is all it is. Uh, we have all these little ideas that we want to bring to market, and that is way easier said than done. I promise you. You can have a thousand good ideas, but getting it to market is uh, – it's been the difficult task. Um, and that's, that's been the challenge in business actually. Yeah. So even if you don't need like a full, I mean, it, if you go on their website, they've got a handful or several, give me, like, give me one second, one second. Yeah. While he's going, there's like several unique things. Like they've got these Velcro straps instead of using cable ties and things like that for mounting and cleaning electronics, you know, in your setup. So they've got like different straps and mounts and little accessories for setting up electronics that kind of clean things up and make things, you know, a better install. Yeah. So this is, this is the packaging of it. Let me see the camera. And there's a good picture there. You can see it now it's on your rod and uh, clicks on the rod and the baits click there. So, so that's it. A rig holster. This is, this is one out of a package. So it looks like it just clips on the rod right there. And uh, the A rig hooks go in those little holes. So usually when I'm fun. usually when I'm fishing with it, if I make if I'm going to be there for a while, I pop it off my rod and put it in my pocket. It's not that heavy, but it just I'm kind of anal that way about stuff. So as long as you're not throwing like a double mega with like twelve arms, <laughs> then you need two of these, and you'd have to pop two of them on. Yeah, then it would work. Nice. <clears throat> I think we got these on sale for like twenty bucks right now. Nice. So, which you know, right? You're you're not likely to have more than one or two rods that you consistently throw a rigs on. So, I don't know unless you're unless you're chasing t you know double digits down south. I mean, sure. <laughs> a lot of these guys were, were out there with you know three. You know, I might have three myself, and a buddy might have three in a boat. You know, we got a a light head, medium head, and heavy headed. You know, three egg rigs right. rigged up all at once. Yeah, well, they only allow us to use one hook in Minnesota, so. <clears throat> So you got four dummies? Yeah, or blades. <clears throat> Actually, there might be. Is there a dummy be a rule? On, most of our Minnesota rigs are all blades and one swim bait. I, I think there might be something against actual bait teasers as well. But That's interesting. Um, so I guess this is a question that's on most people's minds. What's, you know, the LVS 34 is the next generation the newest generation live scope transducer, right? It, it works right. with all the existing units. What is the big, you know, for those that haven't dove in on, you know, videos and seeing what it's all about, what's, what's the biggest change in the technology with the new transducer? Well, fortunately I can speak from experience. Um, not a lot of people can, uh, we had one hooked up last week. We mounted it real quick on top of the, the LBS 32 and ran them both side by side at the same time. Actually one was on top of the other. We, we didn't, we didn't have a lot of time to prep for this. So um, they kind of interfered with each other. So we had to end up having to run one at a time. But the main two differences are they've changed the angles of, in the way um, the faces are, are mounted. It looks a lot more like an active target uh, transducer. And uh, the attempt was to create, uh, to eliminate the blind spots and the ghost trees and to be able to 
create more separation. And they've accomplished that. I mean, the LVS 34, the live scope plus, uh, it doesn't have a ghost tree. It doesn't have blind spots at all. I try to create them. Like you can, you can create one if you just do some stupid stuff with it. And it's, and you, and you can still see your lure through that though. Um, I actually ranged out to about 140, 150 feet. I mean, I was at like 200 feet ranged out, but at 140 feet, I could see fish, but not only could I see fish, I could actually count that there was three separate fish at 140 feet. So, um, object separation is, is greater. Um, you know, so I, I didn't get to put it into every situation in the world that you could possibly put it in, but we did run it for a day and we're going to have a video coming out probably Sunday night. I'll probably drop it. It'll be on my personal and it's, it's just, uh, you know, like the first fish catches with Livescope plus and talking about, you know, what we're seeing and the difference between the two and some, maybe some side by side comparisons will be on that video as well. Does it do anything for cleaning up this? I mean, I know, I know like there's, I know you like to, we'll get into maybe this, but you like to run your units hot with a lot of, and you get a lot of like fuzz and stuff in the back, but does, is the new transducer do anything to like clean up the picture? Cause that's, some people don't like Garmin's more like there's a lot of information and like, you know, active target runs a little cleaner or at least it looks cleaner, but I don't know. Is, is it the same picture? Or does that change anything with the new transducer? You, you can, you can, it's, it's similar either way. I mean, it is technically it is cleaner, but as you said, I, I, I kick it up and run it all hot. So I make it not look clean. Sure. I want the, I want the information. Uh, from the perspective of a shallow water river angler, if you had to build your tech one piece at a time, where would you start? Shallow water river. I, the most important thing that I'd probably have is probably a GPS a and one, <laughs> one that had a processor that was quick enough to catch up so that if you're running 60 mile an hour in a, an area that you need to know where stumps are, you know, good mapping. That's, I know that's silly, but that's probably the number one thing. And then from there, um, probably, uh, probably standard 2D is probably going to be the next thing. And then, uh, depending on what kind of fish I fish for and how much, I, I would probably go straight to the live scope from there. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. Live, AP Fishing says, live scope doesn't seem to be ideal in shallow grassy lakes. How is perspective mode in those conditions? Uh, I guess you're going to have to describe to me how grassy you're talking about because I've caught them in a lot of grass, man. Uh, I think that uh, it is more difficult, but you can train yourself to see fish in and around grass. Now, if we're talking about, you know, uh, some of that northern stuff that's 12 foot thick and and wavy and standing up real tall and getting around your transducer and stuff like that, then. Yeah, then I can understand that. Uh, you're, nothing's going to help you in those situations. I don't care if you're maybe 2D, maybe. Like, there's nothing that's going to help. You're going to have to use it to uh, for the edges. And so, you know, if you're on, but if, the, if it's not to the surface, then, um, you know, perspective or standard live scope can still, uh, will still work. It just depends on what your goals are with your, with your, uh, with your transducer, what you're trying to see. Are you trying to see the grass? Are you trying to see the clumps? Are you trying to see, uh, bait fish are you trying to see the edges are you trying to see the points are you trying to see the thicker walls you know what are you trying to see uh, and and what are you actually targeting those are the questions that i have to have answered before i can yeah. answer that exactly <clears throat> yeah i think that was a good analysis uh adam M miller welcome to team hella appreciate it that's awesome uh 
I'll give you a quick little, uh, uh, where is that? This little show here. All right. A little new member, one of us. Welcome. Appreciated. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, want to celebrate the small victories and uh, yeah. hopefully we answer all your questions tonight, Adam. All right. Uh, Daniel says, am I correct in assuming the Echo Map UHD 93SV is the nine inch screen on Bass Tank? Yeah, it's a nine inch. The nine nine stands for nine inch. And I think we got those on sale for like six ninety nine right now. And we got a live scope bundle on sale for like nineteen fifty with a live with that unit with a live scope. All in all in stock would ship out tomorrow morning. Yeah. So if I'm correct, what I've heard is that, that that's like the best bargain standalone unit. No. Right? Yeah, like it, it's not that doesn't network if you have a full garment no, setup. It, it does net, it, it does network. It has some network uh, lim- limitations. We could go through okay. those, but it also comes with a GT54 transducer, which is not the not the high end UHD, but that unit has the capability. Okay. But it does have an 800 hertz, you know, side down and traditional sonar. So, like for somebody that was wanting to know, like if that same guy was like, "Hey, I've got about 700 bucks to spend. which I spend it on?" I'd say buy that because it's going to come with a, you know. That unit has it has mapping, GPS, 2D side imaging, down imaging. It's it's like a eleven hundred dollar typical retail deal. It's a three hundred fifty dollar transducer, and you're getting it for seven hundred dollars. Nice. Yeah. So the limitations are it doesn't have two two network ports in the back is one of the limitations. So um, if you if you decide that you want two of those ninety threes, you have to get a port expander. So it may be wiser at some point for some individuals instead of getting two 93s to get like one 10 inch and one nine inch or one 12 inch and one nine inch because it has the extra port uh, networking cable on the back so you can network your units together. I'm not sure what John Critical Gravy that he said something about a robot over your right shoulder on the top shelf, but I don't see a robot. Right shelf. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I got a hat. Maybe he's seen something different than I am. Here, I'll show you guys what this is. He says maybe he's too far into the bourbon. I don't know. (laughs) This right here. This is my uh, this is my cage. So I've been prepping for five uh, five events that I got to fish in a row, back to back to back to back. I got to leave next week, and I won't be back for five weeks. At least my truck won't. And so a lot of stuff goes into my truck. A lot of stuff goes. I got custom cabinets and stuff built into the back of my truck. But this right here is everything. Uh, that will be going in my boat. So that's just a just tackle organizations. All that is. Yeah. So you got nine. So this is like your your rolling inventory cart prepping for this trip. Oh, one hundred percent. So this is like you know like you see people like picking online orders at Walmart. John's <laughs> picking his own online orders for his his yeah. five week sprint yeah. of tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. I built so, all my boxes for the next four events. And, so where where are y'all headed, and what what events you got coming up? Let's. Uh... So I've got uh, so I'm fishing all the MPFLs this year. Those that aren't familiar with the MPFLs, I'll be fishing all those again this year. This is our second year. Um, then I'm fishing all the opens. I got a exemption through Yamaha. Thank you Yamaha again. So I got into all nine opens, and I'm going to take advantage of that and try to qualify for the elites. Is the is the goal? So. Um, we got 15 big events. The first one was already done. It was on Kissimmee. Um, the second one is on Cherokee Lake. It's a it's another open, a southern let's open. Not, let's not gloss over your top 10 <laughs> eighth place finish, which is a great start for the first open. 
It is a good start. And it's actually my second top 10 in a row on the opens. I jumped in the grand one last year to just kind of put my fingers out and I got fourth in that one. So I've got a, I wish those points rolled into, into this year, but obviously they don't. So yeah, we got the eighth place. We got Cherokee Lake, which is a Southern. Uh, from there, I was supposed to go to the Ray Scott Championship in Eufaula, Alabama, but I'm going to, I'm going to actually, uh, I'm going to be driving my vehicle out to the St. James, which is the next event and flying home for a week. And then I'll fly back. Um, and then, so St. James is a Northern. It will be the first Northern of the year, Northern Open. After, I keep on saying St. James. I don't know why I'm saying that. It's the James River yeah. in Richmond. Um, and then from from the James River, I'll be driving back to Hartwell for the second MPFL of the year. And from Hartwell, and when I'm saying drive back, I mean, like, as soon as the tournament's over, I'll be loading my vehicle and driving to you to start practice. I may miss a practice day or something. And then when the MPFL is over, I'll drive straight down to Ross Burnett in Mississippi, fish the first central open of the year, which would be the fourth overall open of the year. And I come home and I think I have a three, three week or four week break after that. So we'll see. We'll see at that point where we're sitting in points. And I'll say in five weeks, we'll have a much, better picture of how your your goal for the year of making the elites is looking yeah basically yeah, four a, chances right you can qualify through each one of the divisions individually and then the overall points and you can't be off to a much better start than you are by getting a top 10 in the first one so yeah all right so back to the technical questions how underutilizes is perspective mount and where and when and where is the best time to use perspective in your opinion uh, when you're under seven feet deep, I, I, a lot of people say 10 foot, but to me it's seven foot or less. Um, when you're in flats, uh, seven feet or less, when I mean by flats is areas that don't have a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, ups and downs, you know, a lot of, a lot of ditches, a ditch is okay, but not a lot. Um, maybe you're looking for one or two stumps in a stump field. Maybe you're looking for, uh, brush piles in a, in a flat. Maybe you're looking for grass edges. Um, you can also utilize it a little bit like 360 in a way uh, to find, you know, beds, you know, whether we're talking about uh, tilapia beds or brim beds or even some bass beds, you know, those are those are the situations where it's going to, you know, going to pan out the best for you. Shallow water. Cool. Yeah, he's a little bit of luck won't hurt on this uh, this road trip. <laughs> Jay, it's all right. At least you made it. Late than ever. We're, we've been flirting right around 100. I think we peaked at 100. We had a few people drop off, but that's cool. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts on Cumberland? It was a rough tournament for everybody, basically, except for Taylor. Um. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Taylor's been blessed, man. He's been fishing awesome, and, and uh, he tore us up, man. I mean, he just completely KO'd us and just kept on throwing a bunch of no, I mean, Cumberland was a unique deal for me. Um, you know, my biggest deal at the moment is, you know, mental preparation and, and I have no excuses. I'm not going to make, I'm not making excuses. I've got a, I've got a, a busy, a busy, busy, busy schedule of events. And like right before that event, my truck broke down and I had to drive out with my wife's car, throw everything in my wife's expedition, figure out how to get, you know, uh, set up to haul with the boat and then immediately drove out. And when we get to Cumberland, it's 22 degrees. And so the first day of practice, I mean, you're not doing a lot of running around in 23 degree weather. You're not doing, you're doing a little bit of idling. 
you're doing a little bit of casting. You're kind of just trying to stay warm, waiting for things to warm up. And then the second, the second day, uh, the wind started coming in and Cumberland, I just never been there. It looked all the same. I didn't find much in practice. And, uh, by the end of the second day and the third day, we started getting all that rain. And so there wasn't any practicing to be done on, on, on the third day. And then, you know, we have an off media day and it, the lake just began to continue to rise and rise and rise. And so they canceled day one and day two. And that lake came up, I don't know, 12 to 15 feet probably, which, and, you know, that part wasn't as bad. It was just the debris that it brought down. And um, thankfully, they figured out kind of a creative way to launch us at three different sites so we could actually get fishing in. Um, and we, we still had a weather delay on day three for, for 10 minutes before we could take off. So, right. you know, it was just a unique deal to make things fair. We all fish the same. Like I ended up, my launch was at 910 on the third day. So, you know, it was just a, just an odd thing. And um, I'm actually thankful that I caught two little bitty fish and I didn't catch a check, but I got 44th place. And uh, I think there was like 50, 50 guys that blanked. 47 40, something a high high amount and uh that's no good for points for the end of the year that's for sure absolutely <clears throat> yeah and it was i don't know i don't know if you did you ever check out taylor's footage i mean that was just old school like yep. spinnerbait yep. 101 just like putting it to him that was some good stuff <clears throat> yeah i don't think you could just do that anywhere on the lake i think there that's that was a lot of a location situation as well and uh, that's what's difficult about Cumberland is that there's a, you know, they all they all look the same, but they don't all act the same. You know, all the, all the little cuts and stuff like that. So what? How, I think no Bass Tank has their own aftermarket harness. There's a few other companies that have aftermarket harnesses. What what makes those so important? And are they needed? Are they essential? Are they just their luxury like what's your take and what what is the advantage i mean the bass tank was started because of this problem i broke down at the forest wood cup um because the harness that was in the boat that i had at that time wasn't wasn't good enough wasn't ran right it was improper installation from the manufacturer on down the manufacturers have tried but they still haven't got it right they don't listen they're trying to save pennies and pinch pennies and so they're to me they're absolutely necessary uh We've got the Bass Tank Power Harness. It's been something that's taken because of COVID and whatever excuse we want to make. It's taken three years for us to get it out there to market for everybody. But it's it's been a part of our plan from the very beginning because of my my own personal experience of breaking down. Um, so, you know, they're not running the right gauge and the people that are writing the right gauge are still not running the right wire. They're still running, at, you know, through uh, their starter and they'll split off from there and, and things of that nature. It's not direct power. Um, there's just a lot that's not right from the factory. So listen, if you're only going to run a couple of units, you're fine. But as the technology air grows and as we pull more amperage from the front and the console, um, there is extreme need that you have good, clean power. And so, yeah, the best thing power harness to me is a necessity. Cool. And is there any like big advantage to the bass tank harness versus a sea clear or any of the others are they all pretty good or is there like big differences well you're going to get our tech support you're not going to get that anywhere else sure. um i i don't have i don't spend time looking at other people's products or anything yeah. like that or digging into anything so i can't really even speak to that um but 
you're not going to find any other company that's got the experience on the water and the tech support that we have. So, uh, nice. and that, like I said, that's engineer owned. So my partner's an engineer. So, you know, if you order a harness from us, we got a doubles, we have singles, um, ours come, um, with the breakers that you need already. Um, you don't, what I mean by double or single, let's say that you're a hummingbird guy, but you want a live scoop and you want to just run that directly to the front. So all you need is a single harness. You don't need a double. Um, me personally, I'd go ahead and run a double and have power both places, but you know, we have those, those, uh, that option available for, so for individuals. When would you need a double versus a single or when would it require it? Yeah, you definitely need a double if you want to run units at your console and at the bow. So okay. you need a double, you know, double harness, two different locations. The single harness is just a one, one shot. So, you know, for those guys that let's say you're a Lawrence guy and you already got all your units and then you're like, but I want to, you know, I want to put a mega 360 in. So, you know, you just need a single to run that up to the front to run off that, that Mega 360 off of. So. <clears throat> but the double, you can actually split off at the console and then the rest of it. Correct. Goes to, all right. Cool. Correct. Well, run. Yeah. One runs to the console and the double, the other, the second line runs to the front. Yeah. So speaking of power, <laughs> there was a question here. Um, do, do you run lithiums for your <clears throat> everything or just? Like some people don't run lithiums for their starting or like, how do you, what is your setup for batteries? So I run an express boat. I don't have a lot of room in the back. And for the last three years, I've ran all lithium. I run, I run two twelves in parallel uh, for my starter and for all my units. And then I run two thirty six volts um, for my trolling motor. And it's unnecessary to have that much storage, but I have one battery to back up the other. If something happens while I'm on the tour and, and going around. I can run three to three to five days without ever charging. And I have a, and I run on powerful charge as well. Uh, right. Now, with that being said, you got to be careful by just saying, speaking out and saying, yes, I run lithium starter battery because there's older motors and stuff that it can cause issues with. So, you know, you really need to take a look at your manufacturer before you just decide to do that because, uh, you know, the safest we're meant is just to do a, an AGM. Yeah. Any, any reservations about some of the cheaper lithiums or have you heard? 100%. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. What's yeah. the what's the risk that you've seen with that? Well, it's all on the computer, and they spend a lot of less money on the computer. So the brains of the of the of the battery, and the the brains aren't right. It can actually spit out too much power or not enough at different times. But too much is even worse. It can cause problems, especially if it kicks back to the motor, and then you got you could you know your motor will die. It, at at best, your motor will just die and cut off when you're going 60, 70 miles an hour. You know, at best, it, or it could actually end up shortening things out and really causing a lot of problems. So it's probably even a bigger risk with your <clears throat> starting and your electronics. If you were going to maybe skimp on maybe your trolling motor batteries, <laughs> but then if they go bad, then you're out without a trolling motor, right? But like, yeah, yeah. So like, possible. like when you, when you asked me about the fast power harness being a necessity, this is where it's like absolutely because the breaker systems that we have in the power harness, if like you have a voltage spike of some kind and it's shooting to your units, that that the breaker is going to pick that up and they're going to flip and they're not, it's not going to get to the unit. So it's, it protects that from that surge. Right. So that's, you know, that's one, but um, as far as why uh, performance of lithiums, I've been flawless for three years. Like I, I love my lithiums. I love how light they are. I love the room that it creates in the back of the boat. Uh, I love how simple things are. Um, it's uh, I personally wouldn't have it any other way. 
Everett says he just <clears throat> he ordered a Garmin Force and got the product quick, five stars. Um, the Garmin Force and the and the Ghost. If you're a Lawrence guy, what's amazing about those two is um, the power usage on those things is so so much lower. The pull, like. Um, We've had customers that have had, you know, other trolling motors, I'll just put it that way, that, um, you know, they're burning their batteries up in eight hours, ten, you know, before the day's over, and they switch over to, to a force or to a ghost. Uh, the last guy happened to be a force, and, you know, he could run it. He can't run his batteries out. It's because those those new trolling motors are so much more efficient. So that's just the brushless technology? Is yeah, that it's the brushless technology. You know, it's not the heat. It's not pulling on it. It's it's the brushless technology that helps. So do you guys train pros? Do you, do you get people that come in and want training on the water? Is that stuff you do or is that not something you guys do or? Yeah, it's yeah, absolutely it's, stuff I do. I've spent a lot of time with a lot of pros. <clears throat> it's funny because uh, some are proud about it, you know, like in a good way, they're calling brag and it makes you feel good. And others, they're like, oh, I'm doing this thing. And they want, they don't want to tell people. I don't know. It's a pride thing, I guess. They don't want to tell that they're – but, you know, it's uh, it's fun. It's a, it's a cool opportunity for us to, to work with guys. Um, that's how I got into the crappie tournament world was actually training guides and professional crappie guys how to use the live scope. Um, and then we were so good at it that we just decided to stay with it and go on the tour, on the crappie tour for a while, for a couple of years. and you know, create relationships and make sales with the, with the live scope in the crappie world. So, but yeah, no, we do, we do on the water training. I just did a, a two day deal this last weekend with a, with an individual. So you just have to message, just have to message me privately and go from there. Cool. Uh, so how, I mean, <clears throat> You see some head to head videos, people looking at like Garmin versus active Target versus mega live. I mean, how far do you think the spectrum is? Is is it the is it the hardware? Is it the software? Is there a big difference? What, what do you think? What's your opinion? <clears throat> and uh, there, there's, there's so, John's not sponsored by Garmin, <laughs> so yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not sponsored by Garmin. I, I promote the sale of Garmin like crazy, but we sell Lawrence and, and Hummingbird as well. Um, let me answer that. Let me just be direct. Uh, mm -hmm. probably only one of those videos of the head to head. Do I actually trust? I know the people that are behind those other videos. I know how, if you wanted me to make one look good and one look bad, I could do that right now. And if someone slid me money in my pocket, I might do that. You know what I mean? Like, so that's, what's going on in a lot of those videos is those guys, even though they say they're not sponsored, there's big name pros that say they're not sponsored by certain places. 100% are sponsored by these other guys. And so they're actually paid to not say that they're not sponsored. So it's, you know, it's, I don't like that. It's frustrating to me. I don't like the not truths about stuff. Um, so uh, I will say right now, Mega Live is nowhere near Active Target or, or LiveScope. Nowhere near. Hummingbird's having a lot of failures. They're having a lot of problems. It's very difficult. Uh, when I say nine out of 10 customers have problems, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's like 99 out of 100 people are having problems with their Hummingbirds right now. So we do want to support mega live or in general, <clears throat> in general, everything. Okay. And, and it makes it very hard for us to want to, you know, 
promote Mega Live in any way because of the customer support that that causes on the back end for us when they when their Helix goes down or their Solux goes down or or it comes in and they won't read the Mega Live and won't have. So it doesn't matter what the technology is if they can't get their customer service together and their products better. It's just not worth promoting. So that's just straight up where I'm at on on that right now. Um, if somebody else wants to, you know, prove me wrong, then please prove me wrong. But I mean, I'm dealing with it every day. We deal with the phone calls. We see it's just just so um, the Mega Live is not where now. The reason that a lot of these top end pros are able to use Mega Live to catch fish better than anybody else is because they're top end pros, man. Like you give them this little bit of information and they can run, you know. So it's still really good. You know, if you were to take Active Target away, you take LiveScope away out of the picture, it's still really cool and good technology. Um, it's just when you want to, when you want me to say, hey, John, what's side by side, what's better than the other, um, you're going to be able to catch a lot of fish on Active Target. It's, it's extremely good. It's got a, it's got a 18 degree cone instead of 20. Um, now, what that does for you is it allows you to be more accurate, but then you also see less. Um, the processor in Active Target intentionally from the engineers we've had a lot of conversations with them they've catered to the fact that they feel like the consumer wants a clearer image on the screen so their processor filters out that information to make that screen clearer a lot of people think that's good um you can still see fish but i think that at certain distances it harms my ability to be able to identify the size of fish maybe even the species of fish so on a day when it's they're really active, you're not going to tell the difference. You're gonna you're gonna be able to catch. But on the days when they're inactive, and you got to really tell the head between the tail, and and you're trying to pick out whether that fish is a two pounder or a five pounder, so it makes it more difficult. It doesn't make it impossible. It just makes it more difficult. Um, so those are some of the main differences. So on the Garmin side of things, you're gonna have a lot more settings where you can really run the unit hot. Uh, see a lot of the grain, see a lot of the details, see a lot more of the line, the fuzz on the line, the eyes on the fish and things like that of that nature. So that's, you know, that's where I tend to lean. Um, with all that being said, uh, if you're a Lowrance guy and you love L your Lowrance and um, you got 1500 bucks, there's no reason to not go out and buy an active target, and put it on there and run it on your HDS lives or your carbons or whatever you have that's compatible with it because that technology right there is going to be, and if you learn how to use it, will be your biggest, you know, your biggest strength. I, I went, actually went out with the Lorenz guys. It's a, it's out there somewhere floating around that video. I caught a nine and three quarter pounder with the Lorenz guys in the Lorenz boat with active target. It was pretty, pretty neat. You know, we were out there testing it and early on and, and it's been a couple of years ago. So. Yeah. I mean, one of the few advantages from my understanding from the live is that it doesn't require an external box, but I feel like that's also part of its limitation, right? It doesn't yeah. have power in the, the hardware to because you're trying to run everything off the unit, right? So I think that might be some of its limitations at the same time. Yeah. I mean, do sure. you think there's anything they're going to be able to do through software updates to really improve it without just coming out with the next generation? No, I don't think so. I think I think you're going to have software updates, but at some point the next generation is going to come out and then they're going to focus on the next generation software updates. They're not going to keep on going retroactive and working on old, you know, old products. So, yeah. um, you know, which is the number one, when people ask about getting the LiveScope Plus versus the, the old juicer, that's kind of the way I feel about that too. Like when LiveScope Plus comes out, Garmin engineers are going to work on LiveScope Plus, their updates. And at some point, those older units, like the 7612s for Garmin, there's no more updates for those. You know, they went to the 8600. The same thing's going to happen with the LiveScope, the LBS32. 
those new updates are going to be geared towards that live scope plus. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess the one thing, like if you have a hummingbird unit and you just, I mean, because I think you can actually hook up what 360 and mega live for the same unit because they use different ports. So, I mean, like right. if you're really looking for like <clears throat> entry level, you already have, I mean, it's an option, but it's, um, you know, that's probably some of the advantages. But I think it's probably going to be right. It's going to go the way of the, what is it? What was it called? The Lawrence Spotlight, <laughs> right? Which was kind of the oh, live site. first live site. Live site. Yeah. yeah. The first attempt was pretty forgettable as well for Lawrence. They kind of swept that under the rug and yeah, it was more of target. it was more of old pan optics technology is what that was. Yeah, that's what it was comparable to. Right. Yeah. Um, so one one take I have right, and I, I actually haven't used front facing, and I'm, I'm I'm setting my next boat up to get ready for it. <clears throat> I will get it. Um, from my perspective, it front-facing live sonar. There's really not much advantage to have it integrated into your system that I can tell. Like having a standalone unit is really not much of a downside. Or do you think there's a reason to have it really integrated into the rest of your electronics? Well, it depends on what you want to do with it. There are reasons. Um, you know, if you have it hooked into you know an A600 series on Garmin, then you can run it in your. Um, your active captain, you can, you know, screen record. Yep, um, yep. So there's a, the other reason is like when I'm training people, I can, you know, you can't do this on Ecomap. So we're talking about the 8600 series or the GPS map series of any kind. Um, you know, I can sit back at the console instead of standing over somebody and breathing over them. I can play the live scope yep. right there and I can, you know, you know, mirror what's going on and I can coach them through, you know, what's going on there or vice versa. If they want to sit back in the console, or if we're wanting to film and stuff like that. So, or if you're guiding, it, right? Like that's like, if you're a guide, there could be some yeah. big advantages for that. For I, sure. I do that for my co-anglers a lot of times, like, because I know like if they don't, if they're not aware of who I am or what we're about to do, if I'm, if I am live scoping, you know, they ask a lot of times they're like, what do you, what are we going to do tomorrow? I'm like, we're going to go out in the middle of the lake and spin circles. And <laughs> that's sometimes how it feels. And so I know that that is a horrible experience as a co-angler. So I try to at least give them some kind of, hey, this is at least going to be a cool learning experience. You can actually see what I'm seeing. Um, and that way it doesn't look like I'm a crazy guy out there chasing hopes and dreams, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But as far as like, I guess my take was like when you're standing at the bow, right, and you're fishing. And like if you already have, let's say you're a hummingbird person and you've got your 360 and you got your setup there's not really much advantage to integrating a mega live versus adding a Garmin or adding an active target. You know what I mean? Like the functionality of that unit, you know, like the waypoint sharing and that kind of stuff, there's not a lot of advantage. Like, I don't think, I mean, like I, I would, I guess what I'm saying is I'd rather have the best live front facing technology available to me than worry about whether it integrates into the rest of my system. Is that a fair? Yeah. Point? Yeah, if you if you've got the money and space and time, you know what I mean. Like, you know, it's we're we're getting really expensive. So like, if there's a situation right. like you got a hummingbird, and it's in the newest generation, you can run a, a live, and, and that's the money you've got. Then it makes sense to put that thing on. And if it's if it's put it on now or wait for three years, it's it's put it on now. You know, sure. that's the answer. Yeah. Like I said, yeah. the technology is still great and it's still good and it's an awesome tool. And you're going to catch fish with it. Um, you know, we're just talking about the side by side comparisons. Uh, is there any talk about Garmin or anybody else trying to, I mean, I know Lawrence has this 360 thing, which seems like not very, 
functional because it like takes over your trolling motor and spins your head around from what I understand. And like yeah. seems kind of impractical for a lot of situations, but are, are the other, do you think Garmin and Lioscope are really going after that 360 or do you think that's kind of niche and they're just going to focus on improving the live scope or what do you think the future looks like? I, I don't have, uh, I don't have the crystal ball to tell you on that stuff. Uh, I, I think that they'll give you hints. Like they all have their personalities. Hummingbird, uh, Lawrence and Garmin have their personalities in the way they like to leak information or not leak information. Garmin is extremely tight lipped beyond anybody else. Like they just drop it. Like immediately goes back to their aerospace history right they keep everything yeah. <laughs> yes they do like extremely uh but i think that it shows that Lawrence is you know working on i mean the, the only reason why it can't do the same thing the hummingbird does is because the hummingbird's you know it's on it's it's on its own pole right? right so like there's probably they they figured out how to use their transducer to create that now it's on the trolling motor so as soon as it gets off the trolling motor and they get around whatever patents or whatever they have to with Hummingbird. They've got they've got the 360 technology. You can see it. It's they've right there. They've got the software ready for what it's the hardware there. can be. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I I don't know why. Like I said, other than if it was a patent thing that they don't have a 360 coming out. I don't know. Maybe by ICAST. I don't know when. But I would see that that was something that they potentially would do if I was if I was in their shoes. You know. Nick said he was at some kind of Garmin training and they swore they're not looking at 360. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, <clears throat> can you touch on zero degree mounts? Can it work when mounted to the trolling motor shaft? Is there a benefit? No. The uh, only time you'd want to do a zero degree mount and you wouldn't even do it is if you're going to mount it to the head and actually on the side of the motor. Uh, if you put a zero degree mount on the shaft, you're going to hit the head of the trolling motor. You're going to have a big black spot. So, the eight degree kickout is designed intentionally to look to the side and over your trolling motor. So you wouldn't want that. The only reason that you'd want a zero degree mount is if you're going to put it on a pole and you want to look directly below that pole, like ice fishermen, for example. Hmm. No, if you do have it on a boat and you want to look directly down, then a zero degree mount works. But the eight degree kickout is just something that you, over time you just get used to. I'm so accustomed to it now. I don't know what it'd be like to not use it. But let's say like you were up north and you and you were going to drop right below the trolling motor. You can mount the the live scope to the head of your trolling motor, not to the shaft, and you can actually slide that ring around in a way that you'll get directly and that that will actually be similar to the zero degree mount. Hmm. I can't imagine <clears throat> the grass catching on that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, are there any good resources for kayak setups that Will could check out? I, I can't really speak, honestly. It's it's a the kayak world is something that I want to do a lot better and get involved in more. Um, but I'm not I'm not up to par on that like I should be. Will the LVS twelve be much of a disappointment from the LVS thirty two? Yeah, it would be. But it, the thing about the twelve is that you don't need the black box at the twelve, okay? But the 12 is just what it says. The LBS 1-2 versus the 3-2. It's one ray versus three rays. Okay. So you're only going to see, um, what is that, 60 degrees, maybe maybe even less than that, versus um, the 145 or whatever that you're seeing with the with the regular live scope. So if you're shooting forward constantly, or you can twist, you know, you can twitch it, you know, it's only going to show, like, this much of the path, so... 
but you know, for 500 bucks, you can do some things if that's what you're, you know, if that's what's in your, that's in your budget. But if you can, if you can spend the extra money, you're going to really want the LVS 32. All right. <clears throat> Brent river rat Wabasha checking in with some technology when talking resolutions, it's confusing. Some are better in imaging, but not in live scope. If you're using it for live scope only, can you explain the differences in resolution and what it does for you? Nothing at this point in time, man, they're all too good. Like it's, that's, that's a talking point that is, it's mute. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, um, there is no difference. The, the biggest difference that you're going to see when we're talking about Garmin, um, in anything, anybody in the, in the family of three that can run their, their forward shooting sonar has enough resolution to do everything that you need to do. Any more resolution, it doesn't really benefit you at all. What does benefit you is the processors. So if you're wanting to see more detail and you want a quicker return, uh, less delay, go with the units with the greater processors. Um, like, for example, I run an 8600 series in Garmin, which is the highest, you know, of their units. However, they've got a unique thing going in the Ecomaps family and the Ultras, the UHDs, whether it's the 106s or 126s, where their screen actually has a brighter light behind the unit itself. So for those individuals that call and they're like older and we ask them, you know, do they have, if they can't see as well? the resolution is not as important. What is important is that brighter screen. So they actually see the object that they're looking at. So it's kind of weird. Like one is pro on one side and one is pro on the other. And it kind of depends on who you are as an individual and what you're using it for. So I know that's not the popular answer. I, I know that that's why I get off the forums and I'm not on there anymore. Cause <laughs> I, I, I take this technology and I catch fish with it. And uh, you know, when people talk about it or whatever, we just go out and put our money on the line and show everybody that we know how to do it. So this is, this is real world information. Like you put them head to head next to each other. You're not going to find um, resolution. That's going to just blow your, blow the socks off it into the processor that, that actually does it. Cool. Good to know. All right. <clears throat> Money Bass with the $5 super chat. Thank you. Uh, I don't know. We kind of just touched on this. I guess we can come back specifically to his question. It sounds like there's a new mega live update coming out. Um, is that, a, I don't know, is he saying it's improved or is he asking if it has improved tracking and distance with the update? I'm not sure. Um, any, have you heard anything on the new updates? Have they improved? Is it incrementally getting better? I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I guess, have you used Mega Live? Have you actually been out on the water with it? Or? When, when Mega Live first came out, very first came out before anybody actually had it, uh, we actually went out and, and shot all three of them next to each other and compared the units to each other. Now, as far as keeping up with the last update, no, I haven't, I haven't kept up with the last update. Yeah. So I couldn't, I couldn't speak to that. All right. All right. Adam asked a question about getting interference from an old tour, uh, trolling motor. And I guess without getting into specifics, if no, it's a motor, it's a motor guide, you got to get like, I mean, it's, that's a motor guide promise. It's not ground oh. right, and it's it's electrical in the head. Okay, so there is some truth that like old trolling motors do create issues, and that was my question: is like, do we boil it down? Is like, it, can it just be the trolling motor, or could it be the setup? And but it could be just the trolling motor, even if even if everything else was correct, the trolling motor could be causing you issues. Yeah, especially on the old motor guides. Okay, especially. Cool. Yeah, it's a very common problem. As soon as we hear, we already know it's a motor guide, especially an older tour. And is yep. that like Which, a lost cause or like a little you bit? You can okay. you can work with grounding the head out a little bit, but I mean for the most part, um, it's time 
like that technology it wasn't designed to work with all this stuff too you know what i mean like so now when they create motors they got to think about how is it going to interfere with electronics back then they didn't you know at all so might be time to take the leap get a newer trolling motor <clears throat> and it comes with many other benefits as well the new trolling motors are really nice so right. um, like i said you can work with ground in the head and there's some stuff that there you can you can work with but i think by the time you play with all that you're going to find out that it'd be better if you just kind of upgraded yeah so this is an interesting question uh, i mean i guess technically mega live right already does it without the box and then that other what you said the LV twelve doesn't have a, 12. Doesn't need a box, correct? My take is that the box is kind of essential to get performance. Do you think we're gonna, or do you think there will be a stage where the the units are powerful enough that we don't need the box? Or yeah, probably. I mean, it just as everything as technology gets more advanced, they get smaller, right? And it gets more power. And you know, look at our phones now, what all they can do. So I mean, but I don't know how far away we are from that, but. The, the black box is, it's the power source for the, the you know, for those transducers. And I guess it's kind of a little bit, right? Because, like, if we put that power into the box or into the head units, right, that's going to make the head units more expensive, right? So yeah, then, there is some flexibility to the boxes if, right, like, you can upgrade from a 10 to a 12-inch or whatever, or like, to the new generation and so it, it kind of almost somewhat keeps the cost down by making it a little more piecemeal, I think, to some degree. Right. Like if we tie everything into the head and something goes wrong with the head, right? Then whereas now. Well, you got those things, those boxes get hot too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so there's, and, and that would be in the back of the unit as well, running hot all the time. And so there's just a lot, like I said, I think technology, that's going to be the advancement of technology. And we'll see that. I don't know if it'll be in the three year period or, or so I would, that's my prediction. And it's going to take three years to get to that point, but. Maybe maybe it takes a little bit longer. I don't I don't know. Yeah, and so I mean, think about it, right. Like, you have one box that can run multiple units, right? Right. So if you're going to put that technology, or maybe you just get one super unit, right? That's the smart unit, right? And then your other units are kind of your control head only type units. So maybe that's the way you do it. I don't know. Um, Ninety three SV or ten twenty two. What what are the advantages of the ten twenty two over the ninety three SV bundles? The UHD. Make sure we're talking about the UHD ninety three. That's important. Um, that it, they're out now. the The advantage to the UHD ninety three right now is it's got it comes with a GT fifty four transducer. So that unit does GPS mapping. It's got mapping included, and it does side down and traditional sonar. The ten twenty two. Because on that right there, it shows just 1022, not XSV, is is going to be a $1,300 unit that only will be a display unit. It's only going to run LiveScope. Now, you can get a chip, a mapping card, for you know $199 and put it in there, and it's going to run all the mapping that you need um, as well. But that's that's what that unit is going to be. It's just... it's. Only a live scope only. So the advantage to the 1022 or the next step up is the 1222, which is a 12 inch screen, is that you got a bigger screen. It's an independent unit. Some guys like the knobs. So the 93 is like part touch screen, part, you know, buttons, but mostly, you know, touch screen. And the 1022, it's a knob unit. So it's not touch screen at all. It's, it's, it's run off knobs. Cool. Yeah. <clears throat> So the, the, the thing that we always say is bigger is better. Like buy the biggest screen that you can afford. 
what if you're only like what if you're like the size of a jockey and you're only like this far off yeah. an inch screen looks as yeah. good as a 12 inch screen yeah. if you're six three right yeah probably <laughs> you would know I still, but... <laughs> I still think that you would buy the biggest screen you can afford yeah yeah <clears throat> Um, I'm not sure exactly what this means. Should you cut down the factory power cable if you don't need the length? No. All right. Quick answer. Have we heard anything about brushless motors from Dakota? I've heard rumblings, but the fact that they can barely get Altrexes out the door at the pace they need them, I don't know how quick they're going to be to get their other technology out. Yeah. And I, and I don't know if power poles is brushless or not. I'm going to assume it is. You know, it's the same thing, waiting for parts and pieces on it. I feel like before it's a, before it's like launched. I feel like that's a fable at this point. <clears throat> I've heard we've had rumors for powerful trolling motor for four years now. <laughs> yeah, I think COVID's gotten away of that thing big time. Um, what have you noticed with bass and live scope in relation to the bottom and their aggressiveness? Okay, say that again. What have I noticed about bass and live scope in relation to the bottom and their aggressiveness? not sure what that means okay so i'm going to answer it the way i'm interpreting it and 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 let this ride out but what i've noticed that at certain times of the year um fish that are aggressive decide to feed uh suspended um i.e in the winter time um most of the aggressive fish on lakes that there's bait uh, like uh shad shad for bait will suspend when they want to get aggressive um and they'll get away from cover a lot more when they want to get aggressive. And in the, in the summertime, um, that reverts when they get aggressive, they'll actually get down onto the bottom and feed a lot more in groups. And, and, uh, whether that's current oriented or not, they seem to, they seem to get a lot tighter to the bottom. So for example, in the wintertime, if I was to scope through an area and I'd see some fishes, uh, suspended, um, those fish maybe that those were going to be the ones that I'm going to target the ones that are tied to the cover I'm on a cast at because I can catch fish whether they're aggressive or not but the ones that are ready to feed usually are going to be off cover in reverse in the summertime if you're graphing whether it's 2d side imaging or live scope and you go over a school and they're separated by a good amount of span individuals blah, 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 and they're kind of suspended those are the inaggressive fish the non-aggressive, the aggressive ones are when they're tight, pulled together, horizontal like knuckles dotted up do, 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 right in a row. Maybe a couple on top of each other, but for the most part, tied to the bottom. So that's that's more of a summertime uh, clue that those fish are going to be feeding. Cool. Hopefully that is what you were looking for. I guess Money Bass says he did the update and he's seen some improvements. He was just checking to see what... so. I guess he doesn't have any firsthand experience, but good to see that no. he's seeing some experience and there's some hope and some improvements. Um, speaking of updates, will tell says Garmin update or no update. I believe you're kind of like always update all the time. Or is that Yeah, I am, but there's been about three times in the last five years, four years that we've said not to, and this is one of those times. Okay. The last, uh, the last update uh, is causing some units to have some issues and things like that. I don't know if it's some kinks that they were trying to work out for the new deucer to come out. But we're anticipating another update anytime. So keep your eyes and ears open for the next update. But just because it says update, you guys got to look and read into it because it could be an update. It could be all about mapping or it doesn't mean it's all for the live scope. So like really pay attention. If there's been some corrections in the live scope, then that would be the time to probably update where we're actually, we sell update cards and stuff too. And we're telling people just kind of wait until the next update. 
you have like a uh, bass tank Twitter where it's like update, no update. Like... <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen very often, but this is this is, and I always do uh, the update even if I've got a tournament coming up because I want to know how it's responding so I know how to, the feedback I can give to the guys when that that are dealing with the customers, you know. So, uh, I think we talked about this earlier. You run lithium for your cranking batteries, everything. Um, is from your other than weight. For your starting battery and electronics, do you see a big advantage for lithium or? Well, yeah, the reserve capacity is huge. You know, it's got way more reserve capacity to it. Um, it's got more power to it. There's okay. just, they're smarter, which means they can be more efficient. Um, uh, it's just, like I said, I can go three days without charging my batteries. I run pro guides and I mean, literally, I've when I was at the open, I didn't charge at all during practice. And so that's it's just a huge advantage to not have to stress out of worry. Um, and for example, I don't know how many times you guys have been in a situation where you plugged in your batteries at night and you come back out of the motel and a breaker got popped or something or someone pulled your cord and you didn't have juice the next day. I mean, that used to be a thing all the time. I don't even worry about it now. So that peace of mind means a lot to me. It means everything. Nice. So- not to mention that not to mention the 10-year warranty behind lithium batteries or eight-year warranty. So do you, you guys carry the express batteries at the Bass Tank? Or sorry, not the express, the uh, X2? Uh, we got Pro Guide, Lithium Pro are the two, okay. are our right. two main batteries that we that we okay. sell. It's the express, the best boat the mar- on the market. Is the express the best boat or yeah, aluminum boat? on the market. <laughs> I mean, it, I call my Express my sports car. Like, I love that Express because I can go out and fish offshore, do all my hummingbird or all my uh, live scoping, all my offshore stuff that I want. And then in a split second, I can be in one foot of water in the back of a creek. And that part right there is what's fun to me is I love getting shallow. I love throwing a frog. I love getting into spots that no one else can get into. And you just cannot do that with any other tool. So um, that's where that's where its strength is. Being able to, for me, being able to go back and forth quickly. You know, when my fiberglass boat back in the day, if I wanted to get out of a creek, you know, I might have had to idle for 30 minutes. Now I'm on pad and I'm running out or in. And, you know, saving a lot of time, being very efficient. That's cool. Yeah. And, and you know, when you clear, got... We've all learned this new, like, most of you have met John Sukup in the last five years who's this like front facing wizard electronics guy. When we met his depth finder was a flipping stick. <laughs> so his roots yeah. are in the back of the creeks, spinner baiting, buzz baiting. Like that's, that's where you learn to bass fish. I mean, that's where you grew up, right? Yeah. We didn't even have a boat growing up, you know, it was belly boat, mini yeah. boats, you know, back to the creeks in the spring. That was the deal. So like, you know, for years I just lived with a frog on my, you know, a frog on my rod and, and I didn't have money to be changing line all the time, so it was all braided, and, and it was six inches of water. Yeah. Yeah. So don't don't think that you know you 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 see some of these pros. They say like, oh, that guys wouldn't catch him if they didn't have live scope and all this. And John made it to his first national championship or two, and and uh, he didn't rely on a lot of electronics back then. <laughs> so yeah. he can catch him both ways when he needs to. <clears throat> Carolina Rig is also an effective sonar depth finding to a tour on a budget. Yeah, right? like that's 100%. That used to be the deal. Yeah, for sure. Cool. 
uh, how any any general advice on how high off the head? Seven and a half inches. Seven. That's very specific. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the that's the recommended height. You can get away with a few inches shorter, a couple inches shorter. Like in certain situations where guys are running a three sixty and a live scope at the same time, and they're trying to work around each other, we've had to split that hair. But you may end up getting a little bit of a dark spot, a blind spot because it hits the head of that trolling motor. But yeah, seven and seven and a half inches. So it, it, seven and a half is optimal. If you have yeah. to go one, is it up or down is better? Up would be better. Down is worse. I mean, the closer the closer you get to the head of that trolling motor, you know that 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 ray is going to clip that trolling motor head and cause a little bit of of a dark spot. You're not going to understand why you're not seeing things. A blind spot. So higher is better. Like if you have to go. Yeah. Which is also good. Yeah. When you live in Minnesota and there's grass, higher is better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't get too high where it comes out of the water every time you yeah, get away. No, for so. sure. I learned the hard way on my last trip down to the Watchtaw River when I uh, was back in Boggy for about 30 minutes before I snapped the head off my 360. So that was a $400 mistake. <laughs> yeah. Plus trying to find it. They said they can turn it around in like five days, but we'll see. All right, what else here? We're catching up on questions. Noise reduction, contrast, stable view, yes or no? Is there anything else to adjust? You know, listen, I'm going to go into my appearances. I might change my appearances. My noise rejection is going to be on high. My TVG is going to be off. My ghost reject may be off or low. Um, like I said, I adjust my color gain. Uh, a lot of times I kick it up. And then I'll go to my game from there. Um, those are more Lorant settings that we're talking about there. So, you know, for me, I don't mess with any of the stable stuff. I don't mess with changing any of the the degree of the angle or any of that stuff. Um, if it's if it's running the way it should be, you shouldn't have to do any of that. So, um, I'm mainly going to turn my noise eject up a touch, and um, and I will. I will run my units hotter than a lot of people. It, it does look fuzzier. And, you know, if you were to record, screen record what my screen looks like, once you get the recording, the video, it doesn't, it looks a lot cleaner. And so don't fall into that trap of seeing videos of people's screens and be like, I want my clip, my screen's not that clean. Well, theirs isn't really that clean either. It's once you put a camera on top of it, it actually filters some of that out. Hmm. So, and the reason why I want mine hot is, I mean, I want to know every detail of what that fish is doing. I want to know what my lure is doing. I want to, I want to know all that stuff. And, and uh, you know, I took a guy out this weekend and I did some live scoop training with him. And I could tell in the first 30 minutes, the fish weren't going to be active. They were very not active. So at one point I had to tell him, I said, hey, man, we're, we're not fishing for feeding fish. These fish aren't going to want to feed at all. We're going to have to make them want to bite. And so when you get fish that are in, that inactive, you have to be able to see every detail because you can't approach from their belly you can't approach from their tail there's different ways that you approach an inactive fish and he's in he's in prey mode not predator mode and he's going to act like a prey that's being attacked he's not going to like that and so um that's why all these details are so important to me sure and so i mean like how much i guess it's like if you had to generally bucket like how much is live front-facing sonar to you about seeing the fish and catching the fish you're seeing versus just the overall feedback of the ecosystem and just 
how are they responding to my lure? Where are they sitting in the, like, how are they react? It's like, what, if you had to gauge it, like how much is actually like seeing the fish, catching the fish versus just the overall feedback to make decisions. Yeah. And in practice, it's the environment. Um, it depends on how I've got them tuned in and how they're acting. When they're acting right, it's 100% seeing them, but it's always, always, always the environment, always the environment. Even when I'm up shallow, people say you don't use it in two foot of water. They don't use it. I do use it up shallow. I can see things. And then, like I said, I pick up environmental cues all the time, whether it's bait or just the way the fish is reacting or, you know, several different things. Um, the other thing that you do, the second factor that's really big is just, you know, um, boat positioning, you know, uh, identifying that there's a piece of cover there. There's a drop off here. There's a stump off this drop off, you know, um, holding your boat in the right, right position distance off is, is extremely important. So, um, you know, where we used to have to have 15 different waypoints on a point, we don't have to have that anymore. We can have one and then we can use live scope to kind of scan around and keep us in position. Sure. Yeah. Tim, absolutely. I mean, there's been so much good stuff tonight. So if you haven't been taking notes, I think this is going to be a great one to either re-listen on the podcast or go back and watch the replay on Facebook or YouTube, because I think it'll be definitely worth it if you came in later, just to, to take it all back in a second time. Um, So uh, what are your opinion on the new Garmin color limit setting? Uh, like I said, the new update, um, I don't use it. So, so you think uh, it's like I think, irrelevant or you I just think, haven't tapped in? Yeah. No, I think it's irrelevant. I think that it was something that consumers wanted the screen to look clearer like Active Target. Okay. And so that's something that the, they listen to the consumers and created. So if you want your screen to look like a, a mega live, you can take that comment limit and you can slide it all the way up and it's going to look a lot like a mega live or like an actor. It's going to go through the phases. It's going to start filtering out a whole, whole lot of information. But I think that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's too much information filtered out. Cool. So I don't, I don't, you know, I don't use it. If Not I ran into you know a weird situation about, about live scope, but that's just your opinion. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, and now will it play more into the new deucer and stuff down the road in the future? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, the things that I don't know that the engineers are setting it up or teeing it up for. Right. Um, so this is, you know, as of today and as yeah, of today, seen. this slice in time. Yeah. With the technology and, you know, maybe not, but yeah, future, with the updates where we're at right now. Yeah. yeah. Fair. Are you seeing much in saltwater? Are they live scoping in the the red? Oh yeah, the they are. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that there's there's they're kind of. The, I think there's going to be some stuff in that in that realm of the world that's probably being focused on a lot more right now than in our world, honestly. Like so. development wise, like they're developing things. right, right. Yeah, and I mean they we did, I mean three years ago we put a deucer and I forgot the number on it on the back of a it's a panoptics deucer. It goes on the back of a striker boat, but it shows live footage of the whole, the boat and then everything around it, like everything going on at once. And I forgot what the name of that deucer is, but it's an awesome deucer. So it's in the Panoptic series too. Uh, Pro guides, that's a battery, right? So I think you said you ran two 36s. Yeah. Like you have a redundant backup 36 for your trolling motor, and then you've got two... Right. 12 volt. What were those like 110 amp or 120 amps on your 
something like that? Uh, top of the, uh, the amp hours. Uh, I think mine are hundred. Maybe they are one ten. I don't have that memorized. Honestly, Those are the at the theories moment. for your starting and your. They're run parallel. Yeah, they're run. You parallel. went in more detail if you want to rewind back, but that's the that's the cliff. Note. Yeah, they're they're parallel. Just yeah, to make sorry, sure that parallel. That's yeah. yeah, sorry. Yeah. Is there a popular bundle and screen size you see kayak guys going with? Yeah, a lot of a lot of kayak guys are jumping all over that nine inch one that we have right now. Um, the seven inch one's the most popular, and and the thing is, is a lot of them, just like all of us, have found out that the bigger screen because they're they're the platforms are getting better, so they're able to stand up more than just sit down, and so that bigger screen helps them out. So um, where nine inch felt big at first, now it's not as big, you know, when they're standing and looking at live scope. It may have been big for two D or you know. Or, so yeah, that nine-inch unit is the is the one. The ni- ninety-three. That's a fair question from Jared. What do you think is a better buy if you can only have one? Getting the lithiums or getting the charge system, the powerful charge system? Um, hmm. I think I would kind of lean like powerful hmm. charge. Like I think you could if you have good AGMs. And you've got a system maintain them. I think you're gonna. I think it's gonna be very, you know, bang for your buck. I think you're probably gonna get more value out of a powerful charge and, and good AGMs. But yeah, it, it. I'd have to qualify that with more questions like, are you a sight fisherman? Do you burn your batteries out on your trolling motor? You know, if that's if that's your gig, then that that powerful charge is not gonna help out. Yeah, if you so if you spend nine out of your ten hours on the trolling motor, then you're not going to get yeah. You don't ever fire right. up the main motor to, to get the, the top off. That's a good point. Right. So then you'd want to go lithium for your trolling. Yeah. Um, but if but if you idled a bunch and and grafting, yeah, probably the the powerful charge. If you can, you know, if you can find one in stock, that's the next difficult thing. Is a lot of these things are hard to find right now. So. And there is some other like Minkota has some DC chargers. There's some other. I mean, their power pole is probably the the Cadillac system, but there are some other DC onboard chargers that will charge your trolling motor batteries off the main motor that do serve a purpose. So that is also an option if you don't have if you can't find a power pole or you don't have the money for that. I ran uh, a 24 volt DC in my Basscat forever to top off my trolling motor batteries, and it actually worked great for that. So it's an option. Let's flip it back. Like, let's talk. <laughs> what's your favorite frog? It's spinnerbait. <laughs> like, what's your when you just when you go? Out, I think you said like sometimes. Yeah, you go I throw a I throw a, like, a black a black go old school a black your, your, a black a black junior size frog Spro junior or yeah I mean any any junior size the the okay. smaller size and and just straight black that's that's it I don't throw um. That's my go-to. If you had one frog, matter of fact, for years, that's all I had in my boat was that was that little frog. Nice. Yeah. Are you are you a jackhammer guy, or what's your favorite bladed jig? I, I just, in Oklahoma, man, we just flip it up against the rock. So I'm just like a five dollar chatter bait, you know, like the cheapest we can go. Like, I, I mean, I do have some chatter baits, uh, you know. I've been playing with the melee a little bit. I haven't learned exactly when I like one over the other, to be honest with you. It seems like the jackhammer performs well uh, when fish are feeding more off a of sight than off a of feel. Um, but I'm not I'm not quite sure exactly on that. Nice. Yep. If, if you white, know, just white chatterbait, white trailer. Like, you can give me a black frog, a white chatterbait, and a white trailer, and 
I could probably fish year round. Nice. Yeah. Cool Rancher Nacho Cheesy. Cool Rancher, the stream's over. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm back and forth, man. It depends on. It depends on it's a mood one thing day. For me, actually, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It is. It says the 93 SV is 79 and the 70 is 49. Uh, yeah, seven inch versus nine inch, right? That's the only difference between the. Yes. Yeah. Seven, well, seven inch, nine inch, and then right now at the moment, the 93 on our website comes with a with GT54 Deucer, and that 73 won't. Okay. So you'd have to buy a deucer. So you'll end up spending more money on that seven inch to get the deucer than you will if you went just with a nine inch. So then you go on our website, thebasstank.com, and look at the the UHD ninety three that's on sale for six ninety nine. Comes with the deucer. Gabe says if you did the live scope update and you don't like it, is there anything you can do? To... <laughs> is that like unscrewing a light bulb versus uh... a <laughs> pregnant? Uh, just just wait it out, wait it out here. I mean, surely in the next couple of weeks they're getting there. We've been here in the next couple of weeks for a while though. They'll come up with another update. So the update will be similar to this one. It's just going to fix if there's an, if you're not having issues, then there's not a problem because the update that you have now, if you don't end up updating over time. It's just like a computer. You'll end up having functional problems with everything. So you'll have to update. Oh, this is an interesting question. Backlash. Is there anybody in the fishing industry from an electronic standpoint that you kind of look up to or would like to like pick their brain or just like talk things out? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I, I fortunately, I mean, I, you know, I, I got to go out with Mark Rose. He joined the Bass Tank team. So like we talked, we did a video on my, on my YouTube where, but we didn't talk a lot in depth. We just talked some things, but, you know, picking his brain about some of the old school, like he was on the forefront of that imaging uh, and used it to dominate tournaments when guys weren't really using it. And it's been, there's some comparisons there about, you know, us getting on the forefront of the Ford shooting sonar. So that was, that's been very interesting. And, and honestly, um, I can't wait until I get to have a chance to go out with him on like a TVA and just let him watch him do his thing. And, and, uh, I, I mean, I think I know what I what I know, but I'd like to just shut up and listen and watch him do his thing. That's actually one that popped into my head. I just remember, like, there was a period at FLW, right, when they were going TVA and, and Mark was, like, dominant for a while there. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and it was 100% because he was using his graphs to, you know, beyond what other people were using. Yeah. And I think even, even KVD for a while, he was an early adopter of, you know, the initial hummingbird side imaging. And I think he was ahead of the curve for a while. Um, so there's been some people that really, you know, leveraged certain gates of technology as we went through them for sure. Um, yeah. If someone was to say a bucket list fisherman as a whole, KVD would probably be the first one that came to my mind that I'd want to, that I'd want to go out with and, and, and watch, watch for a week, you know, watch them break down water and watch them fish. Who? JBD. <laughs> yeah, never heard of them. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you like the manual or the? Do you like the? Uh, I guess your live scope on the trolling motor, or do you like the standalone? Or did you talk about having one of each, or was that maybe that was Jason Christie that, or somebody was talking about? Jason has a tree. Yeah, he has one of each. But I, no, I, I have mine on my shaft, my trolling motor, and, and like I, the, that's because uh, because I like to chase fish. Yeah, I'm a fish chaser. Scanning. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like. The standalones are much more popular in like the crappie world. 
They are, and they're a lot more popular for like if you know, like Jason has his setup. So if he's in a super windy situation, he can run his turret. Right. Um, and I, you cannot react fast enough with those. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how nice theirs is. There's not one out there that can react as fast as I can on the trolling motor to chase sure. the fish. And so I want that mobility at all times. And I try to keep for my personal setup. I try to keep it as simple as possible. I only have one unit on the front and my on my bow. And you know it's because of simplicity to me. Yeah, it keeps me a lot more powerful than than it being too overly complex. And so, when when you have a single unit up front, is it like one hundred percent full screen live scope, or do you ever run like a sliver of two D or a sliver of map, or how do you set that up? Yeah, so it's a sixteen inch screen. So to be fair about that, it's a bigger screen, and eighty six sixteen allows me to build combos. And so I run live scope at the top. About two thirds of my screen's live scope. Bottom left's mapping. Bottom right is 2D with A scope running. A scope is like your, um, like your old flasher, which is the okay. most immediate information that even exists right now. You can't right. find anything that's going to get more information quicker than just the old school flasher. So I have it running all the time. And then when I want to, if I want to expand, if I'm going to be in an area and I'm going to be live scope for a while, I just touch the screen once and it expands, and the whole thing goes to live scope. And another touch of a button, it goes back into that combo, and I can go back into my mapping. Just a couple clicks of the button or the screen. Now we did talk about in the pre-show that you're you were considering maybe having 360 when you go up north. So then you would throw a hummingbird up there for that. Yeah, yeah, I've got one set aside for for when I decide to go up north. I got two events up north, and um, I can see where that could be a real big benefit on some of those bigger flats with the fish up on the, on the bottom and you know, in tandem with my live scope. That's not like I'm going to take off the live scope. So for your, from your perspective, when does 360 really shine? Uh, shell beds. Um, uh, when you're, when the weather's rocky and you need a spot lock. Um, when you're in a situation where you've got a lot of moving fish that are close to the bottom, for instance, like smallmouth, you know, um, up north, mm-hmm. so in situations like that. Uh, I think we talked about this earlier. Like, yeah, I mean, like your live scope in practice is like everything, right? You're there's a lot of times you're not casting at those fish in practice with the live scope. I assume. I don't need to cast at fish in practice, uh-uh. and and that's partly because you've logged the hours that you're highly confident that you can tell that it's a crappie, a catfish, a sauger, a bass, right? By the way they're acting, their shape, like that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I mean, I will still cast a fish, but I'll also pull it away from them, you know, a lot of times instead of letting them bite it or, you know. Uh, but I'm not always live scoping in practice. I've spent a lot of time on my side and down imaging in, sure. in practice. Fair. Do you feel like your your fish identification is just as good on side imaging as it is front facing? No, mine's not. I mean, I do understand, you know, the way fish are setting up to to have a pretty good idea of it. But you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna know a lot more on my 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 live scope than I will on my down or side imaging. This is an interesting question. Do certain baits stick out? on live sonar better than others. And I guess when you're first starting out, is there, do you, would you say like a spoon is like the best training tool or what kind of baits do you think are no. like, yeah. like a, an A-rig or like? <laughs> yeah, an A-rig. 
An A rig, an A rig would be the best during the wintertime, obviously for sure. But that's gonna give you the you're gonna be able to see a lot more. But uh, probably the biggest thing I tell people, whether they want to listen or not, is to go actually get crappie fishing. You know, range in to 25 feet, get you a long rod, and uh, don't set your depth or distance on auto. Lock it in, and go around, and get on some crappie, and use that for orientation practice to drop drop a jig slowly on. The crappie's head. And watch how he reacts. Watch, watch you spook him off. You know, learn how to. Um, you know, if he's at one o'clock, be able to hit him. Two o'clock, three o'clock, drop directly on him when he's eight foot away or fourteen foot away, to where every time you drop, you're dropping right on that fish. And then you kind of tuned in to be able to use that orientation. Like when I see a fish at you know at ten o'clock and he's seventy foot out, I can hit him with a jerk bait if I want to, or under spin or swim bait or whatever I am. And a big fish at that distance, you know, for the most part, you got about two or three casts before he recognizes what's going on. Um, and depending on what mood he's in, that will either turn him off or, or he, you know, he might still bite. But, you know, you're taking a chance if you're not accurate is what I'm saying. Sure. What, what do you feel like in, on average normal situations where fish really start to get weary? Is it like 30 feet, 50 feet? Like, I mean, obviously certain yeah. lakes or pressure, but just in general, like how close yeah. is too close normally? On a big fish, 35 feet is, 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 I don't like to get closer than 35 feet to a big fish. Not that I haven't caught them closer and like run right. into the trolling motor and all that stuff. But, you know, so for the most part, if I'm anywhere near a pressured lake and I've got big fish in there, um, and, and the reason I keep on talking about big fish is because big fish, I, I, I believe that big fish feed more by sight than they use, than using their lateral lines or by anything else. I think smaller fish, they fish, it's just by watching their behavior over the last, you know, studying them, it just appears that that's what they do a lot more. So they're a lot more sensitive to those things. And I'm pretty much going to try to cast at them when they're about 70 feet away. That's my... 60, 70 feet's my goal. If I pull them 20 or 30 feet close to the boat, I still got 30 or 40 feet away from the boat. Um, if you cast them at 30 and you pull them 20, then they're only 10 foot away from the boat. By that point, they've probably noticed you. And, and the only way you're going to bite is that they're extremely aggressive fish, which is one out of 100. Nice. That's cool. Uh, yeah, so the bass tank, not the fish tank, um, you can take your boat there and have them look at your setup, I believe, right? Like you guys do like troubleshooting, they make an appointment, you bring it in, they like, really do that kind of stuff, I assume. Or is that yeah. only stuff on, I mean, obviously it's not free, right? Like you make an appointment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. no, no, no charity events going on over here. Uh, yeah, no, you call in the bass tank, uh, 918-509-7864 and talk with the, the sales reps, either Austin or Zeke will talk you and kind of qualify everything that you're wanting and making sure you're, you know, that's the biggest thing. We don't want to upsell people, but we also want to make sure that they're actually getting what they need for the situation. We've warned them about, Hey, if you're in this situation and you, you know, this may be a problem or have you thought about this? We actually end up a lot of times talking people down from, from what they're wanting to buy or purchase. But as far as the install thing, then it goes to the shop and the shop schedules schedules you in from there cool um no it's not i always talk about that i just like to reuse the cups so but i do like usually go to talk about at least once a week it's like a, a guilty pleasure of mine i know it's not good but for some reason i enjoy it it's, it's weird um <laughs> 
uh, best day on the water that you can remember. Hmm. Man, I've had some good ones, guys. I, don't know. I was gonna say you've had a couple good ones on videos just in the last couple months, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, honestly, uh, probably the last day of Harris Chain, uh, the 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 second NPFL that I won last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I caught two seven and a halfs in the last hour or two, and one they were both caught on video, but one was actually on live, and the other one was recorded but just played later. Uh, you know, I ended up having, I think I had 23 pounds, 22 or 20, 22 pounds that day. Some, some, I mean, maybe it was a 23, somewhere in that range, but 20, I think 22 pounds, I think is what I had. Uh, but it wasn't about the weight. I've caught 30 pound bags all the time, 35 pound bags playing around. It was, uh, it was the, the second win in three events and that whole thing. And I mean, if you, if you go back and find that first seven pounder that I caught, I mean, I scream out there, and that was 100% like a release of emotion. Like, I knew I was doing the right thing all day long. I knew I was doing what was right, but it wasn't paying off for the big fish. And when it finally did, it was like everything in me told me, like, yes, this is, you know, you got a chance at winning this tournament, and, you know, it's going to happen. So that's probably my favorite day. There's something about making those adjustments and getting the reward in a tournament that, like, turns it up <laughs> you know what i mean yeah right yeah yeah um yeah jeremy good question for those coming in late i guess we didn't really like we've just been going hard on answering questions for like uh so yeah we've been talking all things fishing but heavily on electronics we've got john Sukup from the bass tank coming on he's a definitely an expert in basketball electronics and we've just been hammering through questions so if you guys came in late there's a bunch of stuff to go back and listen to in the replay at your leisure um but that's what's going on tonight and uh, we appreciate john and i guess never asked you john do you have like a time limit tonight because we can uh, don't feel like i'm holding you hostage here <laughs> no it sounds like we're getting hailed on outside though i don't know what's going on outside we got a little thunderstorm going on with hail or whatever but i think it's passed over nice. we're good cool um are you a hydrowave guy I used to be, but I'm not. You think it's not. just like doesn't work, not necessary, like just what, what's your... It's the same reason I don't use dye anymore on my plastics. Um, I, I just have felt like I don't want to get where I feel like I have to have it, and if it's not, you know what I mean? Uh, I, I try to keep things simple. Listen, I was raised, we had a fish farm. I know fish would get conditioned to the noise of us walking up on the bank, they'd start feeding. So... I, I when I did have a hydrowave five years ago, it's probably been since I had a hydrowave. You know, I definitely made some sand bath school with it. I definitely used it when I was in dirty water around shallow grass. I felt like it really worked there. Um, but so for the most part, I've just not had it on my new boat, and I just kept on winning and felt like I didn't need it. So that's kind of where I'm at. Cool. Yeah. Uh... So what's your thought about, like, are there times, this maybe a different way of saying this, are there times that you will shut off the electronics when fishing because you feel like the pinging is turning them off? Like, when, when, when do, what do you look for? When is your decision to, like, you know, shut it down or minimize it? Or, or do you ever feel like you're over-pinging the fish at times? Yeah, I still shut off the back. When I'm shallow, I'll shut off the back units um, or at least transmit off so they're not getting any transmit. And um, very rarely I'm going to shoot, will I shut off the front one 
it's going to be a situation where maybe if I'm sight fishing, there's no need for it. So I'll shut it off. You know, I want everything as clean as possible or if I'm extremely shallow and I know fish are going on the beds, um, I may do that. But honestly, the most time I shut it off is just me and my boy will go out and we'll say no sonar days and we'll go out fishing without the sonar. We, we're so focused on sonar all the time and, and because of business, business, business that my boy, you know, he's been in the, he's been in the boat with me. Well, four years ago when no one else knew what was going on with live scope while we were out there trying to figure out how to do all these things with it when there was no videos to learn we're teaching ourselves and sometimes in the summer that's a that's a hard day out there you know spinning circles trying to figure it out so uh we start we came up with this thing where we call no sonar days where he just like you know he likes old school take a senko and a frog behind me and go fishing so we'll shut them all off just to have fun and go fish you know fish shallow yeah, this is good content for sure. Like, if you're enjoying what you're seeing tonight, and we talked about this earlier, maybe you came in late, but John's definitely been pumping out some high-quality content on the Hook Up with Suck Up, his relatively new YouTube channel that's getting pretty good traction. I'm like, I, I've checked it out. Like, you got pretty good subscribers and view ratio for being a yeah. fresh channel, so that's been good. Um, Brian, I'm pretty sure we talked about this earlier. John already has the new 34 transducer on the boat, right? No, I don't have it on mine now. I, I oh. got to play with it. Okay. We got to play with it. We had it. We got it. We put it on uh, actually my partner's boat for a day. And that probably Sunday will drop that footage Sunday night of, of that day on the water fishing with it. So when will you have it on the boat permanently, you think? When, every, when everybody else gets it. Oh, look at you playing fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll take care of my customers first. I just happen to be my number one customer. I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, uh, yeah, I'll make sure that I have it on there. Uh, and, and for real, real purposes, we put the new technology on as fast as possible because we want to know, you know, what the feedback is. Like my first reactions are usually what my customers' first reactions are. Sure. So there was actually some things that we found out on this day on the water. We spent the first two or three hours. I was pretty frustrated with it. Come to find out that not everything was updated correctly. Hmm. And because it wasn't all updated correctly, it wasn't running as a new deucer. It was being returned kind of as an old deucer. And the older deucer was actually outperforming the new. So I was like, man, this is not good at all. But uh, we figured that out and boom, all of a sudden it was a new deucer. So that's hmm. good feedback for us. That was why me and my partner went out there together. So when those phone calls come in, we can, the first thing we're gonna tell ourselves guys, hey, you know, tell them to update, make sure the updates together or it's not gonna work. Nice. Uh, big fish. What I guess is it like? I mean, I think the one thing is like live sonar seems to be like unlocking more bigger fish in certain times of the year at certain lakes. You spend a lot of time looking at them. Do you think it's a lot of like location? They're away from it. Are they suspended? Are they shallow? Are they to the like what? Yeah, no, they're off. They're offshore, just like we all knew they were. If you were to just go offshore and just make random casts, you're probably gonna, you know, hit on one one in a hundred days. Uh, where live scope, you can get on top of them and actually make an accurate cast. And even when you hit on one, only one in a hundred are going to bite. So, you know, just the odds are they're actually there now and you got more people doing it. So it's just like the A-Rig unlocked the suspended fish. It's the same fish that the A-Rig unlocked, but now uh, taking it another step further, we're actually able to put it on those big fish's heads. Yeah. You know, when a big fish gets up shallow, you know, in the water column, you know, that fish has got a strike range of three feet or whatever. If it's in a two foot of water, you land around a six foot ring and you can catch that fish when he's in a hundred foot of water and he's 20 or 30 foot down and strike zones only three foot. 
the percentage of that cast actually hidden in strike zone, it's just not there. And so that's what it is. We're just increasing our odds. We're putting the bait in the strike zone longer. That's all we're doing. As far as like offshore, whether they're up or down, that's like a day-to-day thing, like hour by hour thing, I would assume. Hour by hour. Yeah. Yep. Rich bought a a boat with Lawrence active target. Any like quick tips, like just like, is it factory setting? Go play with it. Go fish for some crappies. Like, is there any like quick tips you think for like setting it up? Yeah, it's the same. It's the same advice that I give on any kind of four choosing in our don't run it on auto. Set your own depth settings, set your own distance settings, ranging closer at first. Uh, if you're going to, if you want to be stubborn and don't want to crappie fish, range between 45 to 60 feet. Practice around docks and around cover and structure that you know what it looks like so you can understand that the screen there is no left and right if the, if the fish is left of the of the pole that means it's actually closer not left so you know learning your orientation practicing 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 your casting and orientation is extremely important to be proficient at this and actually make the most out of this tool that you have so go out and go crappie fishing you know bring it in at 20 25 feet and 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 start from scratch there um i will also say whether it's active target or Garmin, one of the biggest things you can do guys is just change your appearances, change your color schemes. You know, there's two or three that I use all the time. Uh, a lot of people want to go through different settings all the time and they don't realize that you can just change your appearance and those settings will perform differently on different appearances. So I have, a, I have a, a, a color scheme that I want when I want the screen brighter. I got a color scheme that when I'm looking in the wood or looking deeper, and I got a color scheme when I want the whole image to dull down a little bit because it's too bright. So I want to see separation from the fish to the cover. So uh, a lot of guys like to run that old Lawrence blue. They're so used to that color that their eyes, it feels right. But I found on Ford shooting sonar, whether it's active target or whether it's Laurent, uh, the, the um, live scope, it's the wrong color palette to use. Get away from using that color, that blue color, get away from it. You know, when you get that yellow red return, it's just not showing you the images that an amber or copper or black emerald will use. All these updates have all these other fancy appearances that color schemes that I just don't, I have not found one that I like. So those are the three colors I use, the amber, copper, and black emerald. Nice. Good stuff. Yeah. And that goes for like, even like side imaging, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's oh, like yeah. just, right. Like if you're, if you're new yeah. to down imaging, you're new to side imaging, like play with the color patterns, depending on the lake you're at, what looks, I mean, uh, and, it's, and it's like, it's, it's partly like lake to lake can be different. And user to user, right? Like what yeah. makes it pop for you may not pop right. for your buddy. So just because your buddy yeah. loves palette three doesn't mean palette three is best for you on your lake, right? <laughs> no. And like you said, hour from hour, a lot of it depends on light penetration, whether it's cloudy outside, whether it's sunny outside. It, it, it means a lot less. People think it's either dirty or clear water. Like that's that means a lot less. Turbid water is different. Okay. That's a different um you know water with turbulence is different like that's a different situation because that can be clear or dirty anyways but the the particles moving through the water um you know you can go into an area that's rocky and then you go into another silted area and, and a different color palette works on the same body of water within 30 minutes of each other so at my console i do run two units at the same time and i run different color palettes on both different units uh intentionally for that because i know that when i go through an area one color palette may work better than the other yeah, and like you have an algae bloom, or you get an area that's got high boat yeah. trap, right? I mean, there's just yeah. so many variables. Yeah, algae bloom's a big problem for uh, for shooting sonar guys, and we're about to hit that time period where everybody's going to say, "Oh, all of a sudden, I can't see, I can't see, I can't see." Well, it's, it's the algae bloom that's getting us. 
So be aware on the algae bloom, you see a lot less the a lot less fish and a lot less jigs. People are always wanting to know where the jigs went and the algae bloom got them. <laughs> nice. Dustin says if he just picks up his new boat and it's got active target, uh, would you turn it on during the tournament if you've never used it before? I mean, it depends on your personality. I would probably tell nine out of ten guys, don't even turn it on the first day of the tournament. We get so many guys calling us rushing, wanting to buy because they got a tournament this weekend. And I think they're going to – and it's just like that is that is not going to make you a good fisherman uh, to turn that thing on the first time. But if you're the kind of guy that can say, hey, I'm only going to use it for the environmental factors and I'm going to glance down on it every once in a while, then, yeah, turn it on. You're going you're gonna to be able to see some things right away, some cover and stuff like that. But if you think you're going to turn it on right away and then hit fish at 80 feet on the head, you got another thing coming and making them buy this. That's you're not going to be able to compete with. You're not going to be able to compete that way. Not right. against other guys that are doing it. It's so it's probably going to distract the, you from making good decisions and and just like focusing on what you should be focusing on that day. Yeah, you're going to spend three hours in a cove. It's going to feel like 10 minutes, and you're not going to have caught a fish. You're going to be a, a chased fish. You're going to be chasing a carp, thinking it's a bass and stuff like that. So the best thing to do is go fish the spots you know. When you start catching fish, then scan over there and look at what's going on. If you're in a tournament, that is. And then in practice, the same way, you know, as a rule of thumb, side and down imaging, if you see a fish there, there's 10 times more fish or maybe even more than what's actually there. So if you go over a point and you see five dots down there, you know, there's probably more fish down there. So then get out there with their tight to the bottom, you know, their bass and get out there and look at them with your live scope a little bit and learn kind of the fish behavior you know and that's good advice for any new like if your first time 2d your first time getting sign imaging your first time getting mega whatever like go to a lake you know go to a place you have confidence look at the boat ramp look at the rock pile you already know is there look at the inside turn and the weed line and get comfortable and that's going to help you uh down the road like get get comfortable doing things before you start challenging yourself on the new stuff um, right. that's always a good decision. Um, Crickle says the pallet was the best tip of the night. He said, uh, there we go. Did you miss? No, of course not. You taking tips from Christy on shooting basketball or. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gator adventure said he got the 93 SVUHD for Christmas. Fishing charts versus nav charts. I see brush piles marked on the nav charts, but not on the fish charts. Yeah, you want to run fishing charts. You want to run fishing charts. So just don't worry about that and just run fish charts is your advice. Run fish charts by by the uh, relief shading map chip card, $199. And you will have all the information in the world you want. Um, you'll have relief shading plus all those updates of different information, but uh, that's the that's the best way, but the fishing charts is going to be the one you're going to want to run. Do you set your forward facing transducer a click or two higher to see your baits hit the water? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like you say, it's situational, maybe, or like maybe I don't want to talk about that. Is what you're saying? Yeah, a little bit of both. <laughs> nice. Have you ever seen a fish eat a topwater on live sonar? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. It's amazing. Honestly, sometimes I'll look away from live sonar when I'm topwater fishing because, uh, I mean, it's amazing how far they'll come to eat it. You, you know, you just, 
not expecting them to come up. So you kind of give up too fast, you know, than if you were just fishing over. Nice. Getting trolling motor feedback on my live scope after putting a three bank charger on. Is it possible it's from the charger? It shouldn't be if the charger is not plugged. I don't know. Maybe not. I'm, So he seems to think he's getting, he didn't have interference and he added a three bank charger and now he feels like he's getting interference. Well, I mean, just the adding of the charger could be the problem. This could be the way it's all wired together as well. You know what I mean? So that's a hard one to answer without just seeing it directly. Um, especially if like, once again, if they're not running any kind of power harness or anything like that, uh, my answer to you would be get a power harness from the bass tank reinstall that power harness from there make sure it's done correctly with the breakers and make sure that um everything is actually installed in that charger to the batteries the right way i mean i mean a loose connection or not ground or anything like that could you know could cause could cause that um Dustin says, what's the best way to get valuable training on the water videos if you live 10 hours from Tulsa? I would assume John's uh, hookup with Sookup videos would be good to watch. Um, what other advice do you have for um, getting... You're talking about live scope? Oh, is he talking specifically live scope? I think he has active target on his boat, but... Uh, I mean, forward shooting sonar is forward shooting sonar when it comes, comes to that, so... Um, you know, be honest with you, probably the best one out there doing the videos is probably Johnny Schultz, Fish the Moment. Yeah, he's probably, yeah, he's probably got the best um, content out there. We're gonna we're gonna have a lot better stuff on our YouTube um, over the next year, so stay tuned on the Bass Tank stuff. The hookup with Soakup, I'll have. A, uh, there's a there's a lot on mine as well. Mm-hmm. Um, not as detailed necessarily what, what we're talking about on the setting side of things, but as far as me talking about how the fish are behaving and reacting, which I feel like is the lost art in this whole thing. This is the the difference between me and some other guy that just knows electronics. A lot of guys that know electronics better than I do is the ability to understand how fish behave and then put the two, combine the two together. And if we just overly talk about electronics too much, we forget that the guys that are dominating are the guys that actually know how to catch fish, period. So that's kind of what I like to do is bring it back a little bit to the roots of understanding the fish behavior and how that actually applies to what I'm seeing on the electronics. I feel like that's more important than a lot of these other details. That's why you hear me say how to get better, go practice orientation. I mean, you know, accuracy to me is more important than, than just wandering around everywhere and deciding whether that's a bass or not, because you might find out that's a bass, but if you can't hit it, it doesn't even matter. So, um, And that and that goes back to like even without live scope, right? Like whether you're mega three sixty oh, yeah. or whether you were side scanning, marking yeah. a boulder, can you get twenty yards away from it? Can you line up and hit it? Right. And like yeah. you know, things like that to me, like you know, like I think one of the things I yeah. tell people on the channel is like the directional pucks are something that people overlook as a fundamental tool that can vastly, you know, for 200 bucks, you can add this. No, you have to have it on your right. But like a lot of people, like they get all this other stuff and all these big screens and they don't have a generic puck. And it's like, you're you're missing the boat. Like you should have gotten the puck. That was way more valuable than, 
the, the right. 16 inch screen right like so there's things like that if you right. can't hit where you need to hit then it, it kind of doesn't matter yeah he's talking about the point one on the ranch or if you're talking about the heading sensors yeah. on on your garments and stuff like that then yeah that's it's it's a big 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 deal and i don't know if if, if you guys haven't done it i mean on your side and down whether we're talking if you don't have forward shooting sonar we're just talking about side and down if you haven't practiced going out setting a waypoint going beyond that turning the boat around coming back to it get on the troll motor dropping the troll motor and first cast hitting uh what that object was that mark then you haven't you haven't trained yourself to be able to use those tools like you should be able to and i was doing that in 09 i my, i met ben park at national championship in florida bass nation and uh in in 2009 so like by the end of that year so by 2010 uh that that next i went out there and we did hummingbird training with and i went and i learned from him um and these were some of the basic things that he first taught back then so I, a lot of what i do with the bass thing now came from that experience with Ben, with him training me so that was just yeah and i, I remember 10, like 10 years ago i made my first weekend series national championship and they had like a free i forget the guy it was one of the guys down there that did kind of the you know that we were talking about the same time he was doing like you know this is the training. And he was like, that was like, he hammered that down. Like you idle over a brush pile or a boulder, you mark it, you turn around, you like learn how to hit that mark. And like, I took that and like, and then like, for me, I was okay at it. But once I put that heading sensor puck with my hummingbirds, I was like, this is a game changer oh, for hitting yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Um, but, and this thing is like, if you're not comfortable doing that, right. Side imaging, marking things, hitting it, don't invest in live scope, right? Like if you like, like get some of those fundamentals down probably and get comfortable and then add it on. Right. Cause I think that's the thing is like a lot of people think like, I don't catch fish, but if I get live scope, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be John suck up tomorrow. Right. But the thing is like, you still got to put the work in, you still got to like, there's fundamentals that got to be in place for all of this stuff. Yeah. I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of hours behind that thing. A lot. Yeah. Cool. Um, Taylor, yes, you can make trails on Google Earth and you can mark things in port, but it's slightly different depending on the unit or the brand. So, there are some good videos on how to do that. I could tell you how to do it on a hummingbird. Um, but yes, it is possible to get stuff on Google Earth, bring it in, and drop it in your units. And it's just a slightly different process depending on the brand, right? I mean, they'll have their own little intricacies, but and you typically need some kind of third-party software to convert it to the right type of for your unit. Um, Cool. Well, man, I feel like we've kind of like, we've caught up on questions. We pretty much, we've been on almost two hours and 10 minutes and we've spent two hours like literally answering everybody's questions, which I think has been awesome. Like, I feel like it's been good. I I enjoyed it, John. Um, I appreciate it. Like you spend the time and shared a ton of information for people. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to cover or anything you want to point out or talk about before we kind of wrap things up? No, man, I enjoyed it. Sorry for putting my game face mode on and <clears throat> getting serious. <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, I was trying to listen and, and try to answer those things as detailed as possible. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it helps people out. And I mean, the biggest deal is it's, it's, yeah, don't be intimidated by the technology at all. It's not that difficult at all. Uh, technology now has advanced to the point where if you don't see it, it doesn't exist. I mean, you can almost almost treat it that way. Sure. Um, there are some things that more advanced guys can see than just the average guy. 
but it's good enough now that you can take it out and and become a better fisherman with the technology that we have now. And I think that as long as that's your goal is to become a better fisherman, learn more about and love like me, just love figuring the fish out. If you're that guy, then tech, you know, that's what technology does for you. I mean, it's helped me uh, tremendously in learning, you know, the fish behavior. Everything that I thought wasn't always true. And a lot of things I did think were true. So, uh, but just actually having the, the exclamation point or the period at the end of that, that knowledge, it, it means a lot to me. And I know it will mean a lot to everybody else too. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm definitely, I don't know, like my boat's going to probably be ready in early May. I'm going to get it set up for the dual mounts. I'm going to wire it. So there's going to be a dual mount. I'm probably not going to have the live scope or the, the front facing right away. I've already got the mega 360. So I'll start with that. And then uh, I'll probably before the end of the year, um, I plan to probably add a live front facing unit um, before I put shallow water anchors on it. Cause I think that's the way, I mean, there's uh, money, you know, it's going to catch me more fish. I think that than talons or power poles now, but they were there in the long range, the long range plan, but uh, I'm going to try to prioritize this time for that. So I'm excited. Um, yeah. So I'm excited also to follow along, see all this, this, uh, this murderer's row of four tournaments coming up for you. And uh, I look forward to following along and, and mm. see you whack them like you usually do, John. I hope so guys. It's a, the deep breath kind of thing. Get ready. Here it comes. Awesome. Well, cool. Well, I'm going to let you go, John. You gave you. more than enough time. It's been awesome. If you guys enjoyed anything you saw tonight, uh, you know, reach out to the Bass Tank, see what they got to offer. There's a lot of good things going on there, and I appreciate you giving your time. I'm going to hang on for a few more minutes and answer a few more questions and cover a few things, but I'm not going to drag you into that, John. So I uh, appreciate you coming on tonight. It's been awesome, and it's good catching up with you after hanging out in the boatyard back in 2014. <laughs> thank you thanks for inviting me all right thanks john all right cool guys i hope you guys enjoyed that i got a couple other things i wanted to cover tonight for the the 90 of you that are still hanging out which is awesome i hope you enjoyed the show a couple things uh thank arsenal again uh if you guys didn't see this today i want to point this out omnia has a deal going on that's pretty sweet um let me share my screen here quick and this is like free money uh <laughs> it's not shameless promotion um my screen is locked up all of a sudden what's going on uh, did my computer just crash what's going on feels like the computer is locked up all right what is no uh, Jump on my mobile device. Did we just crash? Oh, did we come back? Are we back? All right, we're back. Never mind. Crisis avoided. <laughs> that was uh, weird. Yeah, so pretty much, as Daniel is saying in the comments, you pretty much get premium free for a year my computer's lagging a little bit here man what's going on there it is but basically i got to post on my facebook page i think i shared it to my instagram but basically there's no code but right now through tuesday if you buy the premium package for 29.99 you get a 30 dollar <clears throat> instant digital credit i think it took like 40 minutes to get it back so you basically for free get the omnia 
membership, which comes in with uh, one year, you get the $30 back, you get 10% back on all future purchases, <clears throat> um, free shipping, no minimum order size, and an exclusive deal. So I just want to point that out. I know a lot of you guys already shop at Omnia. If you're not a premium member, this is a great time to jump on it. If you already have the premium membership, all it does is extend you for a year. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and so if you already got six months left or a year off or whatever, it, uh, yeah, Dustin, it should extend you basically one year for free. So it's kind of a no brainer. If you shop for tackle, uh, Sean says he called Omnia, got confirmation existing members premium will kick in when no mesh. So it basically extends 12 months. So there you go. Um, that's one thing I wanted to highlight tonight, you know, and then you get that $30 back. They've got all that stuff in the bargain bin right now. They've got flatworms. They've got DT sixes, DT eights, DT tens, Z man stuff. They've got a bunch of stuff already marked 20% off. So you can get a free $30 back and then go spend it on a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah. And then you can, you know, as Daniel points out, if you use my code 15% plus 10% reward back is pretty much 23 and a half percent back on all your purchases, which is pretty good. Um, I will tell you, they are changing things up, um, on the program for discounts. So I think my code, I think a lot of you guys have been using them multiple times per month. I think they're changing starting April 1st, that my code will only work once, um, per month. So just plan ahead instead of buying like three small orders per month, you might just want to group things together a little more. Um, but also... Uh, I think my code is still, you can use it multiple times the rest of March. So <laughs> you might want to use that code uh, and then it'll be once <clears throat> per month after that. So that's going to be changing. I just wanted to point that out. So you guys don't get blindsided by that. <clears throat> I think some of the other creator codes like Brian and Punch, you can only use once per month, but mine, you guys have been able to use multiple times. So that's going to change. They're closing that loophole on us here. Um what else I want to touch on? Oh, I got this package from Sycamore. I don't know if he's still on here, but I wanted to open this quick. Um, let's see, there's Sycamore. I scribbled all this. Uh, he sent me something. We were talking on Instagram. I don't remember whose live was, but we were talking about something. He's like, oh, I want to send you something. So he's getting the old battle braid scissors out. I'm going to see what Sycamore sent me. Kind of a, uh, we'll call the the listener viewer mail call. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and what they said is they, they want to encourage people to order slightly larger orders because they felt like they were really getting hammered on shipping when uh, people were using the discount plus their premium. And so they're just encouraging people to maybe just buy slightly bigger orders so they don't get hammered on shipping as much is kind of the logic behind it. Um, so let's see what's in here. All right, so... Oh, awesome. So we got a couple of, uh, this one's kind of falling, skirts falling off these, but he sent me several Hildebrandt, the blade spinnerbait. So these were made of, I believe these are tin heads and they have really unique shape with gill patterns and the high quality Hildebrandt spinnerbait blades. And so, um, they're one of my favorite spinnerbaits. Like before I ever got excited about Bassman, these were like my go-to spinnerbaits. So he sent me a handful of these heads, which are pretty awesome and they're hard to find. They don't, supposedly Yakima um, um, is making these, but I haven't seen them. So I've got a handful of these, which I will reskirt. Thank you very much, Sycamore. These are awesome. My favorite Vanessa Clearwater spinnerbaits up here. Um, 
So that's there. And then, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> Send me a marble box, but there's actually a, a crankbait in here. I was like, oh, geez. <laughs> is there a couple smokes in here? Or what's going on? He actually sent me a Bagley. That's pretty sweet. And this is a, uh, which version is this? I want to say this is like a DB2 or a DB3. I'm not an expert on my Bagleys. Maybe Sycamore, if you're watching this later, if you know which version this is, but this looks really similar to the one that I threw down in practice on the Watchtower River and caught a couple nice bass, including a giant gar on it. But this is a, uh, I think this has the good hook hangers on it. So I think this is an older vintage Bagley that's the juice. So that definitely will go in the balsa box. We'll set it up here for now. But that'll go in the balsa box. KB2, says Tim. Killer B2. That sounds right. Uh, and then... Uh, Here's another blade with a double, an Indiana-Colorado combo. Oh, I got a note from uh, Sycamore. Hope you can clean these up and put them to good use. I also include an old crankbait you might like. Awesome. Thank you, Sycamore. Thank you very much. That's awesome. We'll have to uh, freshen up the skirts on these and then uh, bring them back on the stream again once they're all fixed up. That's awesome. Truly appreciate it. They're not tin rollers. They're actually called the blade. The tin roller had more of like a rounded head. The blade has a much like skinnier thin head. I had some of the tin rollers. These are slightly different. Um, cool. Sounds like what else is that? Is there anything else? Any agenda? Any other questions? Oh, schedule coming up. The next two weeks, I'm traveling for work. So we probably will not have a Wednesday or Thursday night stream the next two weeks. Um, I think maybe if I can work it out, maybe I'll do a Santa Cooper Sunday final day watch party on Sunday as a makeup stream for you guys. Uh, and then maybe like a Redcrest stream on the following Sunday. So we might do some weekend streams the next two weeks just because I got two weeks of work in a row. And then I'll look the first week of uh, April to get back on the Wednesday kind of regular stream schedule. Um, so... That will be coming up. I'm, I reached out to sent Gary Dobbins an email today, hoping to get him scheduled on here. But otherwise, we'll book some good guests. Um, leave a comment in the video if you're watching the stream. Really, what kind of guests do you guys want to see? We'll get them on. Um, no, the code does not give you a discount on the premium membership itself, John. That's true. But once you have the membership, you can use my code, and then you get the 10% rewards back on top of the 15% off code. When will you spill the beans on the new boat? I'm going to wait until I have the boat in my possession and we will like receive it together. I'll get that video. Out. I'll try to get it out like the same week that I get it and I'll, I'll turn that around really quick. Um, so that's the plan. How far are we from ice out? Hmm. Well, the ponds around here are definitely getting really gray and they're starting to get a little strip of water on the edges of them, but the lakes still, I think people are still ice fishing this weekend. Um, but it is pretty good forecast warm. I think if we get some warm weather and some rain, what do we March 17th, 18th right now? I think on, on the I, people are, I, I saw Kate Laufenberg post. He was out on the river already down in lacrosse, uh, caught a couple bass. So the river is, about to open up in places um but i would say we're probably two or three weeks out from most of the lakes in the metro in minnesota to be open there you go minimum use codes we could do yeah, 
I'll give some feedback. It's probably hard to write that into their their system and algorithm, but that would be an idea. That would be cool. We'll see if we can talk them into some giveaways. Dustin's going to get his boat before me. Uh, there you go. Should work on a partnership with the bass tank. AJ now in Nebraska said he caught his first bass yesterday. It's very nice. Um, Nick's being a Debbie Downer and saying it's going to be at least a month before ice out. Uh, Dustin says he's three hours south of Prairie and they're wide open. Well, that's but three hours like Prairie's like three hours south of me, so that's like six hours south of where I live. Um, cool. So that's that's coming up. So just be patient. Watch the uh, the uh, the community tab on uh, the YouTube channel as well as my Instagram stories, and I will keep you updated when this streams will. But for the next two weeks, there's not likely to be a Wednesday, Thursday night typical stream. I'll try to mix them in on the weekends and then get some regular videos out. So that's kind of the what's going on in the channel. I feel like I want to keep this like commemorative box from Sycamore. You think like nicotine tobacco scented Killer B2s are like the thing? Like, is it like coffee scent? But it's like, I don't know. <laughs> Um, or am I just sort of wasting my kids aren't asking me why I have a, a cigarette uh, pack in the basement in my office, but all right. I think we covered everything. Um, yes. Safe travels. Eric's up. I think you're up in the Grand Rapids, which is like three hours north of me and they're still driving on the lakes up there. So maybe I'm being optimistic in the two to three weeks down here in the Metro, but. Ice out is when the ice all melts in your cocktail. Latel. But 224. Enjoyed everybody. Uh, I see what you did there, Rich. I see what you did there. Um, but thanks for everybody tuned in. As you remember, definitely we talk about watching the replays and catching up and listening to the podcast. But this one for sure, I think, is worth listening to back to uh, I mean, we've had some really good ones, but like there was a lot of nuggets. If you're into electronics and things like that, um, uh, make sure you catch that. Otherwise, we're going to wrap this up and uh, stay tuned for more content. And as always, I appreciate you guys. Appreciate all the comments, the interaction, the members, all that stuff. And as always, here to help you guys catch more big bass and suck less. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans, after all, it's only pressure, you got this, Adidas. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less.